0: Welcome to another edition of Rediscovering the Indies Uh, We are an independent wrestling history podcast This is our third episode First off, we want to thank everybody who listened to our first two episodes Uh, Our first month, actually, we had over 1,500 listeners So thank you guys We just kind of started this as a passion project and an idea And then, boom, you guys are listening And we hope that audience grows Tell your friends uh, you know, tell your family if they like wrestling. Uh, like I said, we're trying to bring something different uh, that no one's really, you know, ha- done before. Like, there's wrestling history podcasts, but not a lot about independent wrestling history. Um, speaking of who we are, I'm Chris Gello, joined alongside Jonathan Ash. Hey, and we're gonna dig into a really fun topic as it is this episode will release right before Halloween, so we wanted to do uh, kind of Halloween. Type themed episode. Before we get to that, I uh, um, just want to thank uh, our network here, the BSCBP uh, Radio Network, for having us as always in the podcast precinct where we record. And remember, guys. To follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at rtipod. uh Instagram, um, it's Rediscovering the Indies, and it's also Rediscovering the Indies on Facebook, so make sure you check us out on our social media, um, we'd appreciate it, give it a like, give it a follow, uh, and let's kind of grow the audience. Like I said, tell your friends and family, we want this to be a, um, a really fun, uh, you know, great history lesson for people who indie wrestling is such a big deal right now and like hey let's what happened here what happened there um this is probably will be one of the most modern uh subjects we talk about as far as independent wrestling as this is something that spanned from 2018 to 2019 uh as we're talking about black craft wrestling and there's a this is going to be a fun show there's a we're going to talk about the four shows that they ran um the last show is very infamous so there'll be a lot about that kind of the concept why it started um give a little more background now there is a documentary right now on youtube um and that is uh called the rise and fall black crab wrestling i believe it's ben felbo who um created the uh the documentary uh there's a lot of solid information there. Some stuff maybe regurgitated on here, as it does tell a good bare bones of the story. There's some stuff they didn't address, so they, which we want to address. Maybe they just didn't come up with research or didn't want to touch it, which is you know it was like only an hour long, so understandable. But uh, that's a good companion piece to what today's will be. So after you listen to us, uh, give the documentary a watch, and then you kind of have a full scape of everything that happened. Uh and we'll be mentioning the documentary a few times here uh throughout the episode. So kind of get into the uh concept here. So if you guys don't know, uh Blackcraft is a uh t-shirt and clothing company. Uh Blackcraft Cold T-shirts. Um they kind of go on the horror punk metal type scene. Very popular company. They have licensing deals with a lot of major bands. Um, they have licensing deals with wrestlers, uh, horror icons, stuff like that. So we're not talking about a guy gets his tax return and wants to start an independent wrestling company. We're not talking about maybe somebody saved you know, their money or they're cashing on a 401k and they're just going to give it a shot. We're talking about a legit money source. So remember that. to Debate this perspective here. A very, very popular t-shirt company that has it maybe a niche audience, but it's I think it's a pretty large niche audience, to be honest with you. So one of the guys who's in black who was in Blackcraft t-shirts, um, Bobby Shabinsky, he came up with a concept, well at least because we'll talk about the multiple stories and layers to this, and I'll let you interject Ash in a minute on this. But the he came up with the idea of having black rev wrestling. Now, one of the men that was involved with black rev wrestling, mostly on like the head of production and direction side of things, as you'll hear, they really talked about the cinematic was Brandon Labardo. On the documentary, Brandon Labardo claims that you know Bobby's just like, hey, we do all these stuff with wrestlers. Why don't we do a wrestling company? Where we then found an article, and we'll address the article a few times here uh from the Pittsburgh Music magazine uh from Bill Mollner, who was the booker of Blackcraft Wrestling, and we'll get into his background and everything in a little bit. He claims that he had a friendship with Bobby. And booked his band, and there was a lot of loyalty there. And he would come to VOW shows, which is the promotion that Bill Monroe ran. And then he's like, "Hey, why don't we just do this?" So, two different guys saying what the inception of Black Rev Wrestling was.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the the crutch of the documentary where a lot of people have issues with, with just one side of the story. Um, looking at both. Uh, it's it's hard to figure out. I'm trying to find equal footing. Trying to find somewhere in between where I could I can kind of believe both sides of the story. I I know Bill Molnar was the booker. He was involved with uh, was involved with running stuff at the local level as the prom- as the actual promoter. Uh, considering how the uh, the second show or. Technically, third show, but second show that they actually ran went with him. So I know like, he's the promoter, so I can believe him on that. But yeah, uh, varying stories about who's actually in charge and who is running stuff. And Bill was not in the documentary, which I found that is very surprising and so a that. glaring omission, I think.
0: Um, and now. From the man himself, Bobby Shabinski. So this is also from Pittsburgh Music Magazine. This is where they ran the first show. This is where Blackraft uh, was pretty much concept. It started the t-shirt company and the wrestling company. Um, so Pittsburgh Music Magazine had some great articles on this. Just to give you a little more background on Bobby Shabinski, he used to date Rosa Mendez. So right there is a wrestling tie. Um what they say in Pittsburgh Magazine is that they sat down with Bobby uh, back in May of, of 18 when he first announced that Blackraft would be venturing into wrestling. The concept began when WWE superstars began wearing the Blackraft cult brand, more specifically Baron Corbin and Page. From there, Bobby was introduced to Rosa Mendez and became involved in a wrestling world, very much admiring the pro wrestling work ethic. Uh, becoming inspired, Bobby wanted to start a league, and he even called Chris Jericho to and received the WWE's blessing. But... Uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, Bobby started working his networking magic and the concept of starting the first event in Pittsburgh called Burning Bridges, which we'll get into. Now, th- so this is where I, I don't I, – I mean, listen, I don't have facts on this, but I don't know if Bill Mulner knew Bobby Shavinsky that well before this happened. I'm just putting it out there.
1: Yeah, no, I can definitely believe that, that it might have been a casual acquaintance. Uh, through just mutual friends in Pittsburgh. Um yeah. We go back to Paige. Page uh started a coffee company in two thousand fifteen uh with with Bobby and Jim Summers from what I've researched. And
0: Jim is the other guy that created uh yeah.
1: Blackcraft. So Eastern. like she definitely has Incredible. a connection. Um I know that there's also a connection with Rollins through his training school and with Blackcraft and also with um with Corey Graves, who also is a Pittsburgh native, so there's a lot of there's a lot of connections. That I can see Bill moner just being, just having mutual friends, and that's how that came about. It, it's,
0: it, that, and and that's what I'm thinking. And, and here's the thing: Bill Molner was a local Pittsburgh guy, and you know when you think Pittsburgh wrestling, independent wrestling, you really think IWC there was some IWC talent used heavily in blackcraft but there wasn't any relationship now my question is is like okay maybe he knew bill through circle so he just want to put his trust in bill but wouldn't you now listen you know bill Mulner is a wrestling promoter and uh he ran a, he runs i think they're still currently currently active he runs a a wrestling company uh, called VAW and they're mostly known for deathmatch wrestling.
1: I don't know if they're still active. I think the last result I've seen on Cage Excuse Match was like it. October 2018. so it's Which makes
0: like, sense because that's about around the time that was right after Blackcraft's first show.
1: Yeah, so I could see him s- slowing down, running VOW and taking over Blackcraft, but then when Blackcraft, like he never continued on when Blackcraft was done. I mean, I look at the cards. Some of the cards that he was booking, um, even still, like he did one, two, three. He did four shows in 2018, uh, three shows in 2017. So, like, he really wasn't running a full time fed. Yeah. Pit- if I'm going off a cage, Pittsburgh match. and West Virginia. Um... Like he's booking. He's booking g Raver. He's booking M-V Young. He's booking the Colgars, Slack um mance warner so he's he's booking name talent around the Indies at that time around ohio western Pennsylvania area.
0: So the last show, this is the last VOW show, and this is October 27, 2018. So Blackraft has already had one show. He's got KTB defeating Alex Herzog, Devin Moore beating Ace Perry, Connor Claxton uh, defeating Neil Diamond Cutter, Dysfunction defeating Josh Crane, The Hooligans, Devin Cutter and Mason Cutter defeating Cashborn and G-Raver, Dan O'Hara over Maria Manic. Dale Patricks versus John Wayne Murdoch went to a no contest, or Invite defeated Matt Tremont and Schlack defeated Casanova Valentine and Jeff Cannonball and Marcus Crane. So, some pretty prominent guys in deathmatch wrestling. But here's when I think of deathmatch wrestling, you think Game Changer, you think CCW, you think IWC. Those are really. You mean IWA uh, Mid South? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, not it's but also ICW. That's what I meant to say. Okay, yeah. Yes. But IWC Mid South. Yeah. Like those are the ones that really come to your mind. I don't really think of of a V A W V O W. And to be honest with you, like I didn't know much. Like we knew there was a deaf match promotion in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh area, but we didn't really know much about it.
1: No, I, I felt the same way. Like when I'm years ago, when I'm sending out emails and messages trying to get booked, like V O W is never something that came up because as a referee, I just never had the. I never had a reason to get booked as a referee for a deathmatch pad, so it it was it was never on my radar.
0: So, my question then is: Okay, so even if you're friends with the guy, right, you got to make the best business decision. You have some money, you want to do well. I'm just going to go on a limb there, and I don't have exact numbers, but I feel like VOW didn't draw well. And I'm pretty sure, and this was never explained, but I'm pretty sure the indie show where the Druids attacked Matt Justice is at a VOW
1: show in West Virginia. I mean, that's quite possible. To me, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, And there wasn't many people in the crowd. (laughs) No, there was not many people in the crowd.
0: Once again, just stating my opinion, you know, of what it from observation um it looks like.
1: Uh... perhaps working with Bill was more of we want hundred percent control over the creative aspects of this. Okay. And and that's what Blackcraft wanted and perhaps Bill was the guy that could give them that. That he wasn't gonna be like, well no, we have to use this is what you do for production this is how you do it, run production, this is the type of ring we need, these is what we need for lights. This, this is the type of talent we need. Perhaps he didn't care and just let Blackcraft have complete creative control. In that aspect, I could see using him for that. You just needed someone that could handle the business side of it. And someone in the, the Pittsburgh
0: side. area, at least. Because, I mean, they did yeah. have ideas originally to, to do National as well. But, I mean, they were going to do the first show in Pittsburgh. Maybe so here, like, okay. But why don't you try to reach out to IWC? If your plans are not to run in Pittsburgh full-time, why don't you not try to reach out to IWC? And, hey, what can we do to help each other out here? Like, you guys are clearly... I mean, there is no... Nobody can... I'm sorry. Nobody can argue with me. IWC is the best promotion in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, no, nobody can argue that. And they and they have a long, long history. I mean, I'm sure we'll do a Super indie episode eventually one of these days, just because of the history of that tournament. Um, he should have reached out and at least made sure. I mean, maybe they did, maybe he did reach out. Maybe that was there was a good relationship. But he should have reached out and goes, "Hey, I'm from Pittsburgh." I want to do wrestling promotion. I want to run my first show in Pittsburgh. You're the guys. You, like it's that thing like if you go to the, like if you go to a certain city, don't you try to seek out the guy that knows wrestling and say, "Hey, what can we do?"
1: Yeah, I mean, logically, that would make sense, but I, I can also see the mindset of we have a vision, we want to do this 100 percent ourselves. We don't need anyone else. We want to build this from the ground up. I could see that too. And it's noticeable as we're getting into it how they approached cameramen and production people where they didn't use, for the most part from what I've researched, they didn't really use wrestling people for production. Um, so like, I could see them wanting an entirely different look. But no, I agree. It's kind, of, it's kind of counterproductive when you're just starting out and you don't really know anything about wrestling or how to run.
0: And that different look concept, that, that that different look mentality, was what did him in. And I will we'll, that will be in the last show. Uh, the, the, we'll talk about that a lot in, in when they run their last show. But we briefly touched on the comments. So when Bill Molner was asked, um, he was asked in an interview uh, with. Uh, see here just get the exact this was not pittsburgh music magazine all right well there was an interview done with him um i don't know why it's not pulling up the actual source i hope this never ends is the website but uh i was wondering if this was an exact like uh like what uh news site but yeah so he was interviewed and it was they said you know they they asked him you know, how did you get involved in the project? Tell us a little bit about your role. And Bill Molner said, Thanks for hitting me up, uh, up about Blackcraft Wrestling. It's kind of a long story, but I'll summarize it for you. So Bobby Shabinski, the owner of Blackcraft, Colt and I have literally known each other for 15-plus years. I used to be one of the bigger metal and hardcore promoters in Pittsburgh back in the day. I booked this band at the time, and we pretty much kept in touch ever since. Fast forward all this time, Blackraft had sponsored my company, Vicious Outcast Wrestling. Bobby had come to some events, and he told me about wanting to start Blackcraft wrestling, so we talked here and there, and it finally he told me he was ready to do it and wanted me to be involved so now I'm in charge of booking and live production for Blackcraft Wrestling, which I am stoked of. He was not in charge of live production according to to Lombardo Cause yeah, it seemed like the Lombardo was the live production guy,
1: yeah, the documentary completely was something different, and like I said that when we get into the The Buffalo show. I can explain it a little bit better since I would since I have the personal connection of being there and being one of the chief liaisons between ring crew and, and Bill, but um, yeah, uh, I tried to search Bill's name to see because he he says he's one of the he was one of the bigger hardcore and metal promoters of music in Pittsburgh, and Google really didn't come up with anything if anyone's listening and you have knowledge in that because that's just that's just a realm that i've zero knowledge on anyone that's listened like leave a comment on our facebook page and let us know like if anyone can actually confirm his role and what he's done uh in music not saying he never did anything just we have no clue so it's we're kind of flying blind with that
0: yeah i mean i'm not i don't know i'll be first week i don't know a lot about a scene. i could tell you great music promoters in buffalo because a lot of them kind of dabbled into comedy as well or just you know having run into venues and stuff so oh yeah Buffalo. I, I don't just
1: we know I, those i guys. don't know
0: much about the pittsburgh music scene, yeah but not from there you know i mean the, 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 that's an honest thing and that stuff's hard to find unless you're kind of really in like a deep circle uh to find that stuff so we kind of have the idea here. So Bobby Shabinski is basically claiming, hey, for personal relationships, he got more and more wrestling connections. Let's do this. Lombardo says Bobby Shabinski came to him. Let's do this. Bill Molner says Bobby Shabinski came to him, you know, after being attending shows and being affiliated with his brand. Let's do this. Got two similar stories and one different story. So the origins... It's still unexplained of who's actually saying the right thing. I'm going to go with Bobby Shabinsky. Sorry,
1: yeah.
0: I, I think through his connections and he's a businessman. They they don't just do clothing; they do clothing, coffee, whiskey, furniture. They've gotten into a lot of a lot of fields. 2018 is very instrumental because 2018 was really starting the birth of the super indies again. Like yeah, you had a little bit, but I think like the the way. Draws for really good promotions with super indie names in 2018 did very, very well.
1: It started to take off with the advent of live streaming.
0: Yes. And that's really when that like became more available. I think Powerbomb became more of a big thing, which yeah. is now IWTV in 2018.
1: Yeah. When YouTube, uh, Gil off topic, but when YouTube stopped, uh, no, oh, when YouTube, uh, cut back on, how much money you could actually make from videos that really forced like beyond and other feds to go out on their own and champion another company and that's how like IWTV and actual live streaming came about so i think that was that's probably the genesis of the current resurgence of super indie so yeah like 2017 2018 is when it really started to take off there so yeah
0: i mean so like he probably saw a business opportunity and said, "You know what? I have a niche crowd and who follows me every when every venture I do." And he obviously a very financially well crowd. Like that, you know, so he's got this built-in audience. And he could put it into the world of wrestling. And by the talent he books, he will get built-in audience that way. And he sees how good it's going on. It was, in paper, a good idea. And was it Lombardo who made the comment that, oh, it just didn't work because of religion? And, like, a lot of wrestling fans are religious and this and that. And-
1: yeah, and I, I, take, I, I take a lot of offense to that comment. And I'm, I'm not religious. I'm atheist. But his comment in the documentary was his claim of why it didn't take off. Was because they're a satanic wrestling company and he claims the large, vast majority of wrestling audiences are are religious and they and it turned people off. And I completely 100 percent disagree with that. Yeah. And we will get
0: more into it towards the end. But like I disagree with it, too. Um, Yes, of course, there's a good amount of wrestling fans that are religious. But for if you've been successful with the crowds that you wanted, it didn't matter. I mean, like, you look at that Pittsburgh show. it sold out in that church. And that's what they should have always did, with cool, ambient stuff like that. You know, that's what you are. Live in your gimmick. Don't try to do other stuff outside of your gimmick or over the top. It could have just been, hey, here's a really sweet wrestling show. We got some darker storylines. But maybe don't go to level 10 on how crazy the storylines are.
1: Yeah, and the way I look at it with with indie wrestling, you can put on like a niche product. There's a lot of like subpar indie wrestling feds out there that really only appeal to friends and family, the friends and family of the wrestlers. It's very hard to find a company where you can take you can take a non-wrestling fan or non-wrestling person and put them... Take them to a venue and they could sit there and actually be entertained. Like it can happen. I think Ring of Honor back in the day had that feel. Um, was this first show that type of crowd or that type of show? I think so. I think you could take someone that's never seen wrestling before and sit there and be like, watch this and. They might not understand everything, but they're entertained, and that's the thing. If you can entertain someone and turn someone into a fan where they're just like, yeah, it's a fun atmosphere, and we'll come back, that, that's that's what yeah. makes a good indie fed. And I think I, being, being satanic had nothing to do with that. Like, fans are going to come regardless. Religious people go see Friday the 13th. Like, they go see horror movies that's not an excuse. I think what gets away from there, and we'll go on more, is just the supernatural element that they try throwing in is just hokey and cheesy as shit, and that's not gonna. That's gonna turn off long time wrestling fans. Like you can do kick ass matches, you can do. You can do promos in the woods, cinematic promos. That's fine. Yeah, but once that, you start, and that was
0: great stuff. Yeah.
1: But once you start, as again, get into it. When you start having wrestlers drink blood in the ring and do human sacrifices, now you're getting just and in you killing people. That's just hokey shit, and that's stuff that that's going to turn off everyone.
0: Like, because are, are you making a B movie or are you making it a
1: wrestling show? Yeah, wrestling's this weird genre where, yeah, it's it yeah it's rooted in a legit sporting contest, like it was decades ago. yeah it's all predetermined now, and you can kind of be comical. but when it comes right down to it, there needs to be some sense of realism and you can't you can't just start going up above and beyond killing people and crucifying people and and it's not just that for the religious aspect of it too it's <laughs> It's like when, when AEW does teleportation with Matt Hardy. that They were going to lose fans that way, too, because it's way over the top. Some fans are going to like it. vast majority of people, non-fans, are just like, yeah, I just don't follow what's going on.
0: But don't make it a big feature spot of your show, which they don't at AEW. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, So you got the players now. You got... Brandon Lombardo, which actually we'll touch on his resume right here a little bit because where does he factor? Like Obviously, Bobby Shabinski's t-shirt company, Bill Molner, is the guy with wrestling experience, but who is Brandon Lombardo? And I'm going to be absolutely honest with you, until the documentary, I had no idea Brandon Lombardo was the guy involved with this, or who he was.
1: No, I didn't know either, and I found found basically his IMDB uh, and yeah, he's been Doing YouTube digital shoots for the last eight years. Uh, he's worked with Blackcraft for the last five-ish. He has his own company, Red Dot Studios, that he's uh, filming stuff. He's a filmographer, from what I see, uh, and from everything I've seen, like a lot of stuff in there's a lot of stuff mentioned here. YouTube videos I clicked on a few and watched them. Uh, he seems pretty good at what he does. And again, i'm not I'm not trashing anything blackcraft did with their cinematic stuff like just, like all that stuff was on point stuff was really good as as someone that produces produces wrestling videos I can attest to that that he's really good at what he does
0: yeah he's a technical director a lot and and uh in in production and in directing and here's a fun thing that he has a wrestling connection before Blackcraft. He worked for Ring of Honor on the yeah. War of the Worlds Tour doing a camera utility for their syndication programs. And uh, he also was a technical director. And I, I, I looked up who's number one. And I can't find anything. But he was a te- technical director at an event done by Flow Sports. Flow Sports is, was the first. Wrestling streaming.
1: Yeah. Closely. For, uh, I think it was Midlands Wrestling. He was a camera operator. Okay. Yeah. Resume he says. So
0: he's got some experience. And I mean, he's done like Junior Olympics. He's done the Chicago Open Air Festival. A lot of live events. And so he, on paper, this guy probably was the right guy for the job. Yeah. And he had experience doing a lot of like the t shirt uh, commercials for Blackcraft and stuff too on YouTube. Like, he did a lot of stuff with. Paige's mom, Soraya. So the Soraya store and stuff. So he definitely has, like, he seems like he was the right guy for the job. But once again, he, from what we know, wasn't being brought in to be the booker. He was brought to, to create the production and everything. Now, to
1: create, create the, the image and look of Blackcraft. What might have
0: hurt him was is because he was such a professional, he didn't really... Realize what wrestling is. The, the simple and 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 the simple thing, and it, it, it's a famous quote done by other people, but I'll, I'll reference a big big time. Bill Collier likes to say it. He goes, "The wrestling fans don't want caviar, they want a hot dog. Give them a lot of hot dogs. They're not going to know what to do with caviar." Yeah, and that's a simple explaining to it <laughs> with producing a wrestling show. You could have good production, but some. Okay, give him just a really good hot dog. You don't have to give him caviar.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. When uh, when I was doing research on their aborted second show, which we'll get to that too, uh, I found a job listing on a uh, on a website that looks for uh, independent contractors for production jobs, and I found one listed for utility for camera utility. Uh, that is looking for someone to do utility during the show Wrangling Cables uh, for their Anaheim, California second show. And like I said, this is on a website where if you're in movies and television, you go to this website to find work. So they were looking for legit production people. They weren't looking for wrestling camera people. They weren't no. looking for ca- wrestling production people. And wrangling cables, to be honest, I think that was a wasted expense. Like, that's nothing that you need to pay someone a high rate on. That is, hey, here's a wrestling trainee. Follow this camera behind here. Give him a a five-minute crash course on how to wrap a cable and follow. And, like, that could have been an expense that you need to do. And looking at the first show, they had really good lighting they had good cameras from what i see but i if they were using legit production companies for all that they probably paid a premium compared to what you get in wrestling indie wrestling is indie wrestling can have a lot of flash and a lot of pizzazz but it's always ran on a very very tight budget and you make do with what you can because it's a nickel and dime business and, yeah, you can get 500 fans in the crowd, but what, it, what was payroll on that show? What did – what you have to pay for the Athletic Commission? What did you have to pay for the venue, for the hotels? Like, you're always counting pennies in indie wrestling when it comes to that. And I feel like that was a big thing that Blackcraft just put aside because they're like, oh, we'll just pay for it because they had a vision and didn't care about trying to make it work financially. I I
0: think, and, and that's the crazy thing about it, because Bobby Shabinski isn't an intra- entrepreneur. I feel like that was the goal. Maybe everybody else he got involved with, you know, maybe Lombardo's like, hey, I have this vision. I'm going to spare no expense. You know, Bill Molner running a, you know, a regular level indie, all of a sudden, he has an influx of money to book talents he probably couldn't afford For V.O.W. Oh, yeah. John Morrison's not working V.O.W. (laughs) So now all of a sudden, like when you give when you give people that like, hey, look, we got money. Sometimes it can give it get abused. And when we kind of do our I already been kind of thinking about my head when we kind of do the finish of of this. Man, what could have been done with that money? But but, yeah. (laughs) But so you got all the major players and then one more major player, uh, before we get into the actual wrestler side of it. So you need a face of the company, a authority figure, a, you know, someone to be like, you know, people, when they think WWE, they think Vince McMahon, they really didn't before the attitude era, but they do now. Cause he, I'm the authority people know Tony Khan's the guy at AEW, even because he's made it known. Um, and so on and so on and so on like the more would impact whatever they presented doug bradley as pretty much the guy the face of black Craft wrestling the authority of Blackcraft wrestling if you guys don't know who doug bradley is he's a very famous horror movie actor and he was pinhead uh in the movie hellraiser so here. A guy with a little bit of name He also did have a relationship in, With Bobby Shabinsky before And this is actually from Rue Morgue uh, When they were actually interviewing him About his Amazon uh, series lore But they asked him And it, they, this is from the article And in a career twist he finds astonishing Bradley has entered the world of pro wrestling Portraying the character The Preacher As part of Blackcraft Wrestling Having previously worked with Blackcraft On their t-shirt and whiskey brands He recalls Bobby Shabinsky The main guy behind Blackcraft Already con. ...suddenly contacted me and announced that they were preparing to launch Blackraft Wrestling... ...and they wanted me to be involved. I've always said that the part of the joy and the frustration of being an actor... ...is that when you finish a job, if you sit down and make a list of 100 things... ...you think you might do next, when the phone rings, it will be the 101st. The one thing you didn't think of. This was so far to left field, it was 1005th. The last thing I ever expected to be doing in the 7th decade of my life... ...is being involved with professional wrestling. Not that I should stress, as a wrestler, you won't be seeing me run around in a Speedo, you'll all be relieved to hear. We've created the preacher character, he continues, and I had to put the elements together of a a fast and very, very heavy nod to Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter, which is basically how I look sans finger tattoos. I was excited and terrified at the same time, I've never done anything like this before, but the response was huge so far. Uh, And he just says, so far, and he just kind of lists the upcoming shows, which we'll talk about. But he says, it's so far uh, my experience, but I really enjoyed it. So, a little concerning, huh? The guy they want to be, like, the face of the company, I mean, he's probably like, sure, I mean, yeah, we've done a lot of business together, I'll do it. Didn't seem like it was something he ever really thought about, too.
1: (laughs) No, and it seems like he probably never watched wrestling ever in his life. But... I think he did a great job. The preacher like, character
0: was a great idea.
1: Yeah, and you he... need
0: authority figure. I I like authority figures in yeah. wrestling. Some people don't, but for that brand, that was
1: perfect. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I don't know uh, if his promos were 100 percent scripted. If he was able to ad lib any of that, uh, I've worked with I've worked with some actors before where running production shows where you tell them like, "Hey, go out, cut this promo." And some, some require you to script it 100% what they have to say. They can't ad-lib. So I don't know, like, if if he ad lib, but everything he did was on point. He was believable. He didn't seem out of place at all. Like, he was a positive in all of this. So there you have
0: it you got Doug Bradley, he's going to be the guy and, and they film that video uh, In the woods with Victor Benjamin And Lady Frost And the Druids actually we find out we're G. Raver and Matt Justice And a few others And they do the ritual with the drinking of the blood In the woods and all that uh, And we're, we're off to the races And we have our first show Now it was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania At Pittsburgh's Grand Hall This venue was awesome It's an old church and it was very it was perfect for them. Now, ticket prices were thirty to hundred dollars, which pretty high for an independent wrestling show, even a top tier independent wrestling show.
1: Yeah. Now, unfortunately I couldn't find the breakdown of what the prices were. Assuming front row was hundred dollars, they might have gotten free swag with that, a t shirt maybe. I don't I don't know. I didn't find any information on that, so I don't know. But yeah, a hundred dollars for an indie show is very high on that. Um, but yeah, the venue, the Grand Hall, they've—it's very nice venue from everything I've seen. They do weddings there. They've done boxing in that place. It's got a hotel connected to it. Like it definitely was a good place to have this first show. And what
0: they did was—I mean, we're talking 2018, so like IWTV isn't the monster it is now. Um they ended up being an eye pay per view, and I don't believe it was fight at that time. I think fight.
1: Yeah, I don't believe so. I think they did it independently. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, in honestly, if you got a product like that that people want to see, because Game Changers all on fight for the major- vast majority of their events are on fight. If you got a product that fans are willing to pay for, especially this first show because of the curiosity. Yeah, do an IP pay per view. Don't do a yeah. don't do a streaming through like an IWTV service. Just do a actual pay per view.
0: And like I said, I think they had a built-in crowd to do that. The ticket prices, though, I mean, those are concert ticket prices, and maybe that was the problem. I I just still think it. I mean, I could tell you right now, I wouldn't pay a hundred dollars for a WWE show. I wouldn't even pay thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just but just talking about the levels of stuff like. Standard, I think a standard independent wrestling ticket should be fifteen to twenty bucks. Front row, you pay thirty. Yeah, that makes sense. That
1: makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it, with the exception if it's a major show, if it's a if it's a super show with a lot of names, yeah, like maybe th- forty
0: bucks, something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, or like again, if you do a hundred dollars front row, you throw in a meet and greet, you throw in some cheap swag to to show to have that appearance of value. So fans can see, like, hey, this is – I'm paying this, but I'm getting all this extra in there.
0: Even WWE, like, when they – for house shows, because there's less appeal to go to a house show because it's not on television. They sell front row ticket packages, and it includes, like, meet and greets, and you get your own entrance way, and, like, all this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, the show did really really well front row, so, like, it doesn't – like, what we're saying probably doesn't apply to this first show. But it will obviously apply later on as we go through. So we'll kind of
0: get into it. Um, there was two dark matches that weren't on the pay-per-view stream. Uh, KTB uh, defeated Zicky Dice. And Harlow, Hair, and Vipress uh, defeated Ashley Vox and Willow Nightingale. Um, I lo- First off, just to touch on these dark matches, I think KTB, great guy for the brand. Uh, you know, you like a monster, tough guy. Um, Harlow, Hair, and Vipress... 100% Fit the brand Yeah um, Obviously you want to go With some off-brand stuff But I mean Ashley Vox and Will Nightgale I mean both great workers Don't get me wrong Yeah Would I book it for Black Rev Wrestling? I don't know um, And then uh, Zicky Dice And he'll, he'll be in narr- there. He was interviewed In a documentary He The way he phrases it Is that he just He knew they were had a relationship with, with Black and Brave Which will That's another thing too They filmed a lot of They aired a lot of commercials For Black and Brave Wrestling School uh which is Seth Rollins and Merrick Braves Wrestling School. And he he says that like when he found out they relationship with him, he already graduated, but he's like, hey, like, I should be here, I should be here and kinda like bugged him until like, they find he flew his own way to Pittsburgh and everything and they put him out in the opening match. But here's a guy too looking at him, I wouldn't say black crab wrestling, for some other stuff. Like he I think he fit in with N W A power. Yeah. That made sense, but you know
1: like bugging a promoter relentlessly until you get booked actually works for everyone but Robbie E.
0: <laughs> Which I mean, you guys, get it. I think a lot of people listening kind of heard the stories. Um So then the show starts, okay, and then it comes. The preacher comes out, and he he's he, uh, the, you're the unbelievers. He calls the crowd, and he he's looking for his new chosen son. That's that's what he's looking for. So this four way ladder, ladder match is to find his chosen son. All right. Um uh ends up actually I think there was actually six guys. Sorry, six six guys in this ladder match. So Matt Justice, he defeated DeMarcus Kane, G Raver, Stockade, Cortez Castro and Chris Chambers. Um oh, I mean a lot of these guys, some of these guys were Pittsburgh based. I mean, Cortez Castro kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, you know, but I mean Lucha here's here's the thing too. Lucha Underground is the forefather of this type of stuff, of this cinematic type wrestling. Oh, yeah. And and so Court Catcher does make sense in that aspect. Uh, um, G Raver stockade, both you know, deaf match uh deathmatch guys who would have uh you know worked for VOW so Bill Molnar's really fit. Matt Justice, I think, fit the look. Uh, he fit the brand. Uh, so definitely, like I said, a very, very, very good uh, six-man here, I think. Um, as far no, I, think as you, I think
1: you're getting that confused. Selection. That was a four-way.
0: Why? But it's got six guys in it.
1: No, it's got four-way. Castro and Chambers is a separate match. Oh,
0: my bad. <laughs> I, and I did watch the show recently, too. But it all kind of blends in. I'm sorry. Matt Justice defeated DeMarcus Kane, G. Raver, and Stockade. Apologies. Yes, so, but yeah, I mean, and it, 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 Demarcus Kane was one of the few guys I didn't know much about. Um, was he a Pittsburgh guy? The, the, that was one of the like because they they heavily use him on a few shows. And I'm trying to find it up here. I know we, we should have been prepared on this, but like I was just thinking on the reason. I'm like, you know, I didn't know much about Demarcus Kane.
1: Uh I believe I believe he is. Uh
0: he's also known as Napoleon Bomb.
1: Yeah, he's worked a lot of PCW in West Virginia, so he's he's from that area. Okay. A lot of VOW. So I
0: uh, did a little CZW. Um he hasn't worked since 2019. Uh so a lot of Maryland championship wrestling, actually. So yeah, so he's, he's probably from that Pittsburgh, West Virginia, Maryland area because I didn't know a lot about him. Um, the two guys he came out with though are uh, the two guys that are now in um, Ring of Honor as like Shane Taylor's uh, henchmen guys. So, and you could tell they they, they pit, that area is very rich of wrestling and wrestling talent, and they did utilize that a lot when they were building this first card um so so there so we have that and then we have cortez castro defeating chris chambers there we go uh taya valkyrie which i mean probably comes with the package again johnny blackraft but one of the best women's wrestlers out there defeated samantha heights who was she was one of the women's talent that they wanted to say as their own like this is our own Blackcrafts, yeah. like like talent uh chris dickinson um who i'm, I'm a huge fan of I'll, I'll say it over and over again uh defeated uh, uh well, i'm sorry it was a double count out with pco who was di- with destro and we should mention so pco was supposed to be a big focal point of this promotion and this is the time where pco's creating a real big buzz didn't sound ring of honor yet pco's creating a, a real big buzz um In this time period of like September 2018, you're seeing the Destro videos and all that. And Blackcraft decided to do their own with him where he's getting basically surgery done in his heart. And you'll find out that from the documentary that the guy that was like doing it, that experience, he was like a local Pittsburgh tattoo artist, that that he ends up being the guy that's crucified (laughs) on media Weekend so it was just a, a fun little note but yeah i mean pco especially stuff he was doing then i mean it looked like he was going to be a big star for them a uh, double count out with chris dickinson uh then you had the Blackcraft tag team four-way the chris brothers uh defeated the butcher and the blade uh the main event and euthanasia and they were the first Blackcraft tag team champions uh really cool to see euthanasia back together for this but uh the main event, now that's another team too, Pittsburgh guys. Yeah. And this honestly, what, what they, one of the things I loved about, the, you know, I know we're going to give Blackraft a lot of slack, but one of the things I did love is is that they recognized that, yes, we can bring all these super indie guys, but let's try to create our own super indie guys. And you got to remember in 2018, you know, Matt Justice, he's, was but he's not the Manchester of 2020 yeah he's not everywhere and they they wanted to make this guy their guy oh i forgot to talk about like after he wins that match doug bradley comes down he wants to let him in the they do the, the blood drinking which like i said i get it they showed us the vignette oh if you drink the blood you're in the cult but then he drinks blood and he spits it out and he starts attacking all the druids and then, you know, and then you start this Matt Justice versus the Preacher feud. I'm not going to be your chosen son. Um, but, yeah, and so, you know, Samantha Heights was one of them, but the main event were definitely guys that they wanted to make big stars.
1: Yeah. And they were a team that did not fit in with the Blackcraft concept and the Blackcraft image. But they're football I, players. Like, that was the, that's our gimmick. Yeah but i think there is there is a place in the in the fed to have non blackcraft style people yeah like you need you need to have you need to have them more as heels you need to have the the typical that typical image that's not goth not satanic in there as well to kind of offset it
0: so then from there we had the, and I mean, they, they, they liked to, to, to give gimmick names to all their matches. Like they, they tried to do that. And this was the uh, <laughs> the dance with the Devil, Ten man Battle Royal. Uh, and it was won by Connor Braxton and he defeated Ace Austin, Corey Futuristic, uh, David Lawless, Dick Justice, Kevin Blackwood, Lord Crew, Rex Lawless, Sean Phoenix, and Victor Benjamin, who was accompanied by Lady Frost, to win the dance with the devil. Now, Connor Braxton's another guy that it looked like they were they wanted to kind of create to be their their own guy.
1: <laughs> another um, Seth Rollins trainee. Yep,
0: yeah, and 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 they wanted to call him like the, like the Reverend. I believe that's what it was. Now, the he was. From what I understand, like when he when he's in AEW, and stuff, he's doing a completely different gimmick <laughs> than, than than what they had what they had for him. But yeah, I mean Connor Braxton. I mean I, on a personal note, uh, that Blackcraft show that happened in Buffalo. Like I actually picked him up for the airport. And the, him and Rick champagne, really really cool guy. Um, you know and uh, but it's like hey you're here now we're gonna make you a reverend. <laughs> you know so um, but here's another one. You know, they have some of these big names, but then they have some of these guys that you kind of really haven't heard of before that they had intentions to make into, you know, stars. Um, then you had the Blackraft Women's title match. Soraya Knight uh, defeated Britt Baker. Um, actually, I know where I want to stop real quick before that. They did do some an angle with Ronnie Radke, and he was in the band. Uh, falling into reverse, uh, he actually currently is still in a relationship with Paige. Paige has a lot of connections to this, <laughs> as you'll find out. Yeah, partner of Bobby Shabinski. boyfriend's band plays the first show, and has an angle with yeah. Victor Benjamin, and, uh, <clears throat> sorry, and her mom is in the promotion. Yeah. <clears throat> so they they do this thing where like. Ronnie Racky and Victor Benjamin kind of got into it. He got one up on it. He kind of cost Victor Benjamin <laughs> the, the battle royal. Uh, okay. I understand you're trying to get the music involved. But we know Ronnie Racky ain't taking any bumps. Ronnie Rackey's not working a wrestling match. Maybe that crowd, to that crowd he is a big-time celebrity, but is it worth – you already have a very big card. Do you need to put a non-wrestler in an angle? Because what what's the payoff? Victor Benjamin ruins their concert. He didn't.
1: Well, he did at the end. Oh, did but... he say? I because I, I watched the concert, but then like so he did it. Did it oh, I, I, that was a clip I sent you yesterday. The uh, yeah, uh, he came out to try to attack Radke and missed because Radke didn't even take a bump or nothing. Like he, Victor Benjamin, did not get the better of him. And it was just so. The a payoff apart. was after the wrestling show was over, and the concert was almost. They done. did like three songs, and then like yeah. it was after. Yeah, which begs begs the question: like, yeah, they did the concert afterwards, so it was a decent crowd. How many people in that crowd were there just to see Falling in Reverse, and how many there for wrestling?
0: I think the ones that were just for wrestling were gone, because you said wrestling's over here, falling in the reverse. It yeah. wasn't like they had Falling to Reverse play before the main event, which maybe been the way to go, or have them play at intermission for the streaming. Yeah. That probably would have been the way to go.
1: Yeah, they, because, because it, it wasn't it was wasn't it was all a major. Set up. Yeah, it wasn't a major setup. Like it was already set up the entire time on the stage, so you could easily have done that or cut a few matches and done a band like one song match, one song match, like to keep the fans interested and and have more of that synergy between music and wrestling. Or why, why aren't they even
0: playing some of the intros of the guys? Like that would have been kind of cool too. That too. Um, so yeah, the women's match: Soraya Knight uh, defeated Britt Baker to be the first women's champion. Britt Baker, you know, uh, P- Pittsburgh's uh, Pittsburgh zone. So, um, but they give it to Soraya Knight there. They give her the belt, and then we have the Blackcraft heavyweight title. So, pretty. I mean, for their first show, a pretty good main event. Johnny Blackcraft defeated Brody King, uh, who would go on to Ring of Honor, and Jimmy Havoc, who uh, would be in AEW and. You know, at that point, he had a pretty uh, big reputation for a talent outside of the UK. But they get John Morrison, you know, and, and he and he becomes the first Blackraft champion. So this first show, this is kind of what they should have. Like the blood, as you said, was a little hokey. You know, I think the angle with the guy in the band probably unnecessary. You take those two things out. This is what they should have done. This should have been the model.
1: Yeah, it was a very, it was a very solid show. But as we're as we're going on as we're going on and talking about like underlying issues, like like money situation and overspending money, so they booked Soraya Night and booked Jimmy Havoc from the UK. Now, from what we've heard through the business and. It was kind of confirmed on other shows and people we've known that they didn't plan ahead where they didn't book their flights until literally hours before the show. Like 48 hours before the show is when the flights got booked. And anyone that ever books – have ever booked a flight – you need to book it several weeks or a month in advance to get the best rate. If you're booking, especially an international flight, two days before, you're spending thousands. Yeah. And that's just a wasted effective. expense. And when I'm looking at write ups for the show, or not write ups, but like uh, advertisements leading up to the show, the card didn't change. OVE was added into the tag match at the, at the last minute, they weren't announced. But everything else, like Starry Knight, was announced weeks leading up to it. Jimmy Havoc was announced leading up to it. There was no excuse, and that I put on Bill. I put it on Bill Moner, hundred percent, because as a promoter, he sh- should realize this. As a guy that books talent, he should at least realize with flights that hey, this guy's booked. We need to book this. We need to book this flight ASAP, and they wouldn't have had this issue. I guess if you have the money to spend, but again, why spend it if you don't have to? Hundred
0: percent. It, like it, it's just little ways to. And and you know, this card has a little bit, maybe too much talent on it. But you're not always the, the idea is you're not always going to do a ten man battle royal. You're not always going to do a four way tag match. So that's the. I mean, we'll talk about it as it goes on. But the concept is, it's it's your first show. A lot of Pittsburgh talent was booked, which makes sense. You're trying yeah. to sell tickets locally. You want a wrestling crowd too. You just don't want the Blackcraft uh, clothing uh, uh, crowd. So you're you're trying to grow this. Makes sense. You just throw a bunch of people on whatever. That's a good first show. I don't. The internet, from wh- from what I remember, was pretty pleased with it. It was. It w- wasn't bad mouthed. Was it glorified? No, but it was okay.
1: Yeah, everyone had high this hopes for it. This isn't bad. This is, this is going to be decent. Yeah, everyone had high hopes for it because it was Blackcraft. Because I don't want to say the gold standard, but they're pretty highly respected. So everyone thought this was going to be something good. And, yeah, I think overall the opinions on the internet was pretty good on that first show.
0: And a narrative that I'm going to kind of hammer later on is, is that you give an indie wrestling promoter money. I mean, a lot of indie wrestling promoters right now, if they got that type of money from Blackcraft Wrestling that Blackcraft put into this, they could even possibly go national. You know, I mean, we look at some of the indie wrestling companies that are top tier in the country, and imagine giving them an extra couple hundred thousand
1: dollars. Yeah, the, the top tier indie feds right now all still run a shoestring budget. Yes. If you throw them even an extra five grand per show, they could do magic. Yeah. But obviously when you throw seventy thousand at a promoter <laughs> you're like like is the promoter gonna be smart and book the flights way in advance and find deals for hotels and like try to save money the best he can or be smart and not fly a talent across the country for a run in spot. Yeah. Like and and paying someone their full rate for that. Like where you have to be smart with a lot of this stuff. Like where even like, all right, this name might cost us more money for the show. We're over budget. Let's just film a promo with this guy and air the promo at the show and hold off in that show. Like, there's ways, especially at on the indie level, that you can stretch your money.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the exact date of that, I only kept saying September. Sorry, it was August 24, two thousand eighteen. So that's the first show. Now, in a lot of those press articles, they were mentioning October fifth. We're going to be in Anaheim, California. Except for The Preacher. The Preacher, oddly enough, said October 31st, Doug Bradley said. We're going to have a show on Halloween in Anaheim, California, (laughs) in that Rue Morgue article. But uh, so the idea was we're going to California, right? Now, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, it's surrounded by enough wrestling that wrestling fans from other places are going to be interested. IWC has a loyal fan base. You're going to get some of those fans. West Virginia has wrestling promotions galore. You know, the West Virginia tours and all that. Traditional market for that. Baltimore, Maryland, which is not far from that area. Very infamous. I mean, I'm very famous for being an amazing wrestling market still to this day, as we see with Maryland Championship Wrestling and Ring of Honor. And then WWE... Does well there, and WCW always did great there. Anaheim, California is interesting because in 2020, the California independent wrestling scene is better than what it was, you know, 10 years ago, and maybe even better than what it was three years ago. But when I'm thinking California wrestling, I think Rosita, Resi- California, yeah, PWG. No one really ran anaheim gcw would run los angeles but they piggybacked on SummerSlam.
1: and even when even when game changer would run there they're running bars and they're not drawing thousands of people or when bar wrestling was active and they were running they're running in a bar and you're only getting 100 150 at most so yeah i mean there is definitely an untapped market in southern california so it's like it's it's possible that they could draw really well if they were smart about it. Um, but like you look at the ticket sales.
0: Yeah, and well, I mean, let's talk about the ticket prices for Anaheim. So thirty to hundred dollars in Pittsburgh, we thought was overpriced. Now the starting price for a ticket in Anaheim was only thirteen bucks. That's an indie wrestling price <laughs> ticket. Yeah, but the highest price ticket. $250. $250 to attend an independent wrestling show.
1: Yeah, and like, I couldn't find anything that said that came with anything else, so it was flat 250 And it uh, took me a second to bring it up here, that's so why I was a little stuttering there for a minute. Uh, I want to double check Southern California. Southern California population, 24 million people. So when you have 24 million people, and you run a wrestling show. If you get enough buzz, you're going to draw a really good crowd. Now, granted, traffic is horrendous in Southern California, so you obviously have to pick the best place. So maybe Anaheim wasn't the best place to run. Um, kind of, can be a central location for like San Diego, Los Angeles, um, but still, like when you look at it, when you look at Blackcraft, I think it's safe to say that Los Angeles is like the heart of black craft like that's the cent- center location i mean that's where robbie Blackcraft. shabinski lives yeah but i mean like the majority of people that support black craft i feel like live in southern california but then well, so like that's when... their that should be their center fan base
0: but when you run and this is where i think that okay but when you run in like los angeles or like you know obviously like PWG's not going to give up their venue, and it's a small venue anyways. But
1: Exactly, and you have the money, so why would you book in Anaheim?
0: Why Anaheim, California? And Because, I mean, WWE made a, Anaheim a regular stop in the 90s. I don't know how much they run, hit it now. I can't think of any other wrestling company that's ran Anaheim, California. Like, Anaheim specifically. I mean, it's really known for the Angels in Disneyland. Like, that's Anaheim, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, and here's the thing, too. So we talk about, all right, you have a vibe you're going for, right? You're, you're going to run this old church now a Music Venue in Pittsburgh. Perfect. What are you running in Anaheim? A, bizno ex, a business expo center.
1: Yeah, it's, it's right across the street from Angel Stadium. So And that just doesn't fit it to me, man. I mean, I could see if you're looking for a place that has plenty of parking. But, like, you're running Anaheim is, yeah, Disney is in Anaheim. It's a child. It's a family town. Yeah. Like, you're not drawing. Like
0: You're not going to get the local guy that sees a flyer at a bar and go, you know what, that would be cool. Let me bring a couple of my friends. Yeah, because that that doesn't create that type of environment in Anaheim,
1: California. And with with the area, there had to have been an old church or something similar to uh, similar to the Grand Hall in Pittsburgh. It had to be something like that in Los Angeles. Like hundred percent. They're hundred percent. Especially, especially all the movies and stuff they filmed. Yeah, you could have found a, a movie set. Like yeah. there's definitely something you could have found in there. And um, if we,
0: so if some of you have already watched a documentary and they're listening to our podcast and be like. What are they talking about? Because on the documentary, they never mentioned this. They never mentioned... Oh,
1: they skipped right over. That
0: there was supposed to be a show on October 5th in Anaheim, California, and it
1: got canceled. It canceled about 10 days beforehand. Yeah, on September 25th. And I believe what was said at the moment was there were some logistic issues, but the word going around inside the business was very, very low ticket sales.
0: I, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's what I happened because I could tell you that like I heard about it because like of friends I knew that were associated with the company just saying like, hey, we're going to, there's a show in LA or well, a show in Anaheim. But I didn't see a lot of internet promotion for it. You know, hey, we're going to be in Anaheim, this and that, you know, there wasn't we talked about not reaching out to IWC. There was no, let's get a hold of PWG. There was no, you know, at the time, it was a legit company in Southern California, Bar Wrestling. There was yeah. no getting a hold of Bar Wrestling. Um, or even, um, oh, the name escapes me right now, but the, like, kind of Lucha Libre, oh, I want to say the word ultras in it. Like, they're kind of a big deal in yeah, yeah. California. But, yeah, you're not reaching out to any of those Los Angeles wrestling companies.
1: Yeah. And I, I know the criticism can be like, oh, they don't want to partner. They want to do stuff 100%. Like, I get that. But even Game Changer will partner with a Los Angeles fed when they go out there. They partner with, they partner with feds in Indianapolis when they ran there. Like, that's what, you, that's what you do to save money and to actually draw a crowd. You have to partner with people in wrestling. And you get a ring crew. You usually get a production crew. I mean, w- <laughs> WWE has local promoters to this day. Like, there was a big thing like, back in the 80s where uh, the LaBelle's were the local promoter for Los Angeles. And they were, in charge of, they were in charge of getting the ring and handling local promotion, even to this day. Uh, WWE, if you ever go to their corporate job site, which does exist, uh, they do list... Every once in a while, they'll list a position for a promoter. Last one, I think, was for the Pacific Northwest, last one I saw. And uh, your job description is you're the local promoter in Seattle, Portland, and surrounding areas, and you would run, you'd be in charge of promoting about 50 shows a year, if I remember right, and your job was to talk, to, like, uh, to interface with the venues, to book the venues, you work on advertising, you work with the local T V and radio stations to get WB guys on there. You work with like an FYE or something local to do or a Best Buy or something to do, autograph signings. You're basically the you're the street team. And so even even W B does that to this day. That's what you that's what you do as smart indie promoter would do. Game Changer does it, everyone does it. And it just seems like they just Drop the ball with that.
0: Uh, and so, what was supposed to be at Reaper's Revenge? That was the name of the show they called it. It was supposed to be uh, Johnny Blackcraft versus the chosen son of the preacher, which at that time we heard was supposed to be Luchasaurus. Uh, the Blackheart Women's Championship, Soraya Knight versus Taya Valkyrie. Brody King versus Demarcus Kane. The Devil's Den match, which was Jimmy Havoc versus G. Raver uh, Last Man Standing, Chris Dickinson versus PCO. And also featuring Joey Ryan, Joey Janela, Damian666, Besita666, Sam Adonis, and Gangrel with live musical performances by Ice Nine Kills and Trigger Within.
1: Now, the Devil's Den match, if I remember correctly, would have been the no-rope chain match Yeah. that they attempted to have later on during, uh, during the Jersey City show. So it's interesting that they were ready. They were going to do that blow-off the second show but yeah so they they definitely booked local talent if they booked joey ryan so and and and, and
0: basita weren't i mean they're, they're 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 in mexico but they're probably like yes yeah, that's not far travel
1: yeah it wouldn't be that far and technically johnny blackcraft uh, is local yeah. brody king's local sam adonis at the time is probably in mexico yeah Valkyrie valkyrie's local so like you're it's more manageable. Like we obviously don't know the. full Luchasaurus
0: card. would have been local. Yeah, you
1: know. we don't know the full card to see how many guys they would have flew in. If they would have flew in, I know like from hearing through the business, like the there was a tag tag match for the tag team title match. So OVE would have been in a bunch of other names for that match probably would have been flown in. So they definitely would have flew some guys in. But this show this show also looked very. Very manageable with, with yeah. local talent.
0: And you're not noticing a lot of scrambles. You're not like
1: yeah. this is or at least not announced. Yes.
0: yes. You're like, okay, that looks like a show. But Good. unfortunately, like you said, they sell logistics issues. Maybe Business Expo Center did find out about what type of event it is in and, and, and Candid.
1: I mean it could be. You I mean I, w- I would think something called the Business Expo Center and again, like I looked at a Google Maps, like it, it just looks like a place where like you've got a convention coming up or you have a business meeting and you just booked a place like I, I i don't see them being like a like a like a american legion hall or something like that that might have an issue with an an issue with a satanic wrestling company especially in southern california and you got to realize like you got all people from all walks of life out booking venues for movie shoots and concerts, again it could be possible. I, I kind of go with what I've heard from other people within the business that it was pretty much low ticket sales. What else, why else do you cancel a show? Especially in a place that has so many available venues like Southern California. And I mean,
0: and, and money really wasn't an object unless you could totally see that you're, you have no opportunity to make any money. Like, when you're in the midst of it, oh, yeah, we'll spend money, spend money, spend money. But if they could see that the ticket sales aren't there.
1: And something, obviously, maybe, maybe the venue was a lot more expensive than they wanted because, again, the, the fact that you it's go Anaheim. from 100 bucks to 250 for the for the top price, like, maybe they felt like Los Angeles has that market that can afford that. I, I, I guess I'm out of the, I guess I'm not in the L.A. music scene to realize, like, the do tickets to concerts go that much for
0: music I think for like certain acts but I would also say that it's it's much like New York where there's so many venues that I, I feel like there's there's got to be a price cap um
1: what, what's van warp what did uh, warp tour go for <laughs> I mean warp tour was your
0: typical like 30 forty
1: festival ticket yeah I was gonna say yeah. like, that's you're not paying even for that when you're seeing that amount of bands you're not paying. $250 for Which it. is
0: a good segue, because their cheapest ticket was at the next show, <laughs> uh, and that was the Tid the Season right in Buffalo, New York, where Ash and I are from. Uh, Tid the Season, it was a $40. Now, that included all the bands and the concerts from that day. As well as the wrestling. Now this event, that event has been going on for three years. Uh, I had the pleasure to be on the first and the third one. Uh, the second one was Black Rev Wrestling. I was not. I uh, Larry was, Legend was the ring announcer. Yeah, I was I, kind of
1: involved. We did ring crew though. I we did ring crew. I handled uh, production, for the production asp- aspect of the first and third show. Also did ring crew and was one of the chief liaisons between Bill Mooner and Blackcraft and Empire State Wrestling, who they used our ring. And uh our ring, our ring mats are on ringside. Yep. Um we got them the doctors, so they used our doctor, In New York State you need a doctor, you need to run with uh insurance, so like everything went through ESW through our license on that. Um now you mentioned the price forty dollars. I think it's important to note that it's a music it's a music festival, all day music festival with every time I die main eventing. Uh but Tickets sell out before wrestling is even announced every year. Yeah, the so, wrestling's
0: just kind of like it's it's really Andy's passion project.
1: And, yeah, so and when, it's so every just a year, fun, fun part. Of every it. year when we talk about it, and like how oh we drew like wrestling, there was three thousand people that watched the Ross Wrestling Show. Full disclosure: those three thousand people did not come solely for wrestling. They couldn't. They bought tickets to the concert before anything about wrestling was. Was announced. Yeah, it was cool. It's cool to have that much on there. Yeah, like the, you can watch the last show, like last year's show, on IWTV and see like the amount of people there and people pop for it. Oh, the environment's fantastic. Oh yeah, and they want to watch wrestling. That's yeah, the thing they like. And wrestling. there's a lot. There is a, there is crossover. Yeah. Every time I die, fans. A lot of them are wrestling fans too. So there's that crossover. With and
0: that. then when Andy comes out for his match, it's like Hogan <laughs> in
1: yeah. the garden. It's it's road it pop brother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there, there is there is that crossover, but it's not like you're not getting a fan from Buffalo saying, oh, I want to see this Blackcraft show. I'm going to pay $40 and go see this. No, this show was sold out 10 months ahead of time. Like, tickets go on sale a year in advance. Yeah. So, and, and, but
0: here's the thing, you know, and we'll give a little inside knowledge. You said you were a liaison from the Empire State Wrestling. It wasn't like Bill Mulder picked up the phone and called Brett Metnick. Andy said, Oh, you gotta use these guys. These guys are the best company in this area.
1: Yeah, Andy and he went to bat for us on that because he knew like we get stuff done and we were able we were there we were there bright and early with that ring, I wanna say uh eight AM. Like, yeah, we it were was, there pretty
0: early. I mean I got there then I had to pick up a couple of guys and came back. It was
1: yeah. pretty early and we we set up now we have a sixteen foot ring. They have a they normally use an eighteen foot ring. Yeah, it it really doesn't matter. Like, we have a 16 because our our main venues are usually smaller legions. So, like, it actually, it does matter. We can fit more people in. The extra two feet does matter with the way Garber was set up. But either way, we set up the ring. They had their own uh, their own turnbuckle pads. That was fine. They didn't like – we had a light blue, whitish canvas. They didn't like that. They wanted – they demanded a black canvas. I think that was a little bit nitpicking on there. They had an 18-foot canvas. We had to make it work with a 16-foot ring. Bunched up in the corner. It looked awful, but we made it work. Now, uh, for these shows, there's a very, very tight window. Yes. Doors open at 1. Wrestling starts at 2. Wrestling ends at 3.30. First band goes on at 4. This has been... This has been the last three years. It's how it's been. Where wrestling only has a 90-minute block, and we have 30 minutes to haul ass and get out of there. The ring is set up in the pit. So show ends at 330, and we have to break down the ring and carry it out through a sea of people and have it done by 4 o'clock where the band can start playing. So there's no wiggle room for this. Like... show's over, and a issue we had going into the show and at the show, which is backed up by the way that they handled the Manio show, was that their assumption was, it's okay if we go over, we'll just pay, we'll pay extra, go over, and they were told, no, it doesn't work that way, we have seven bands Seven bands in every time I die and they're not gonna delay every band because you have to get your wrestling storylines in. Yeah. So the compromise was instead of starting at two, we started at one thirty, we gave them a little bit of extra time, still pushing it right up to three thirty. I think we went I think they went a few minutes over, but it's a testament to us we were able to get the ring out of there in time. Yeah. But and and just a
0: little touch on the Buffalo Riverworks area, if, uh, those of you who aren't from Buffalo. Like, it's a large – it's very cool. It's a large, like, concert area, but it's also – they do roller derby there. They have um, – I mean, they, they, it's a regular restaurant that operates day by day. Like, I mean, I've done comedy there. They,
1: just, they, have, out, they have skating rinks skating outdoors. Rinks, yep. and, then and curling. Even, and, and even during summer, it's ro- it's basically roller rinks. Yeah. Like it, it's an old it's a great grain, venue for wrestling yeah it's an old grain silo that they just turned yeah. into a performance area
0: yeah so it's a so a good venue you know yeah. it is um so let's kind of get into to the card here now i i I have to just be full honest full disclosure I had to leave early I had a comedy show that day when I knew I wasn't booked as a ring announcer i ended up you know, I said it was available for bookings and it actually happened. So uh, I ended up doing a stand up comedy show today, but you got to see the full show, so you would have full report on that.
1: Yeah, I and I spent most of it up in catering, which catering uh was in the balcony. And it's fantastic. Oh yeah. fucking <laughs> so, uh, amazing catering. It was up in the balcony overlooking the ring. So uh and we had like our own real V I P area so you could sit up there and watch the whole show. So Yeah. Uh if you wanna go through the car, Give my opinions on some things as we go through
0: all right so we had a scramble match here uh zicky dice uh accompanied by riley madison uh defeated daniel garcia dick justice kevin bennett kevin blackwood and puff so a lot a lot of local talents in this one uh from that area as well as uh dick Justice, just who they started to really use as one of their guys um and then uh zicky dice uh which like the the from this match was kind of not originally advertised, it was, it, it was put together. Like, I, I wonder if Ziggy Dix did the same thing where he just flew and hoped for the best. <laughs> um, but then you had Victor Benjamin uh, defeating Ace Austin, uh, three way where Connor Braxton defeated Lord Crew and Vinny Pacifico. Uh, there was a four way tag team match which Team Pazuzu that's Chris Dickinson and Pink. Pinky Sanchez defeating Team Tremendous, uh, which is Bill Carr and Dan Barry, and then Ultra Violence Unlimited, Ricky Shane Page, and Tyler Bateman, and then Cortez Castro and, and, San, and Sam Adonis. Um, so you see, like Sam Adonis uh, it, it gets involved with again here. It was supposed to originally be on a California show. Uh, Tyler Bateman's a guy I would imagine they would have used on that California show if it, if it happened. Oh, unless he had another booking. Oh, um, 100%. Uh, and so, I mean, a lot of fun tag teams for this one here. Uh, you had, then you had Matt justice and James storm, uh, where Matt justice defeated James storm by DQ. Now we talked about the chosen sum being Luchasaurus. They apparently were thinking about doing that again on this show. Uh, they did do a chosen sum, but they couldn't, I don't know what the story was of why Luchasaurus couldn't make it or whatever it was, but also PCO was originally supposed to be on the show and he got signed by ring of honor. And yeah, that, That didn't happen.
1: Yeah, we actually – we had him booked for the ESW show the month earlier, our huge – our annual Russell Bash show that we do, our biggest show of the year. We had PCO booked. Didn't announce him yet, but, uh, yeah, he got signed by Ring of Honor right beforehand. I think – I believe he took a European tour, which is lucrative, and one show compared to, like, half dozen over in the U.K. and in Europe. Like, we couldn't compete with that. But yeah, so he was pretty much done with all indies by by this point in time.
0: Uh, You then had a six-man tag team, no disqualification, G-Raver, KTB, and Stockade defeating the main event and Demarcus Kane. uh, Blackcraft women's title, Soraya Knight uh, with Harlow Hair and Vipress defeating Taya Valkyrie. Then you had the heavyweight title, so... The new Chosen Son, um, Johnny Blackheart, defeated Killer Cross, who was the new Chosen Son, from The Preacher, who was there by count-out. And then the Blackcraft Tag Team title, which, because that crowd is there to see the Butcher, <laughs> it was the Butcher and the Blade, uh, defeating OVE uh, uh, by disqualification. And then you actually had kind of a run-in with like other Buffalo talent as well. Yeah, you had OVE,
1: you had all the OVE crew run out uh, so Ace Austin and the crew running out there. And then you had the Buffalo brothers uh, running out there at the end. And uh, and then uh, Stone Rockwell ran yes. out there, too, as part of OVE for some strange reason. <laughs> hey,
0: it's it's always great to see Stone Rockwell. So. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so we have uh, – so the, they're Spirits of the Dead. Now, you were there. You can kind of give your recap of, of what you saw from the crowd and everything. Yeah. Um. They mentioned this in the documentary. and I'll go with it. Just way too much talent, especially for a 90-minute window. You got 90 minutes. All right, I can get five, maybe six good matches. And that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. You know, maybe a tag match, maybe a six-man tag. But
1: And that's what we've done, which we did the previous year for the to the Season show. That's what we did the third year, last year. We kept it short and sweet. There was no reason to do this many matches. And the crowd... So, I don't want to say the crowd was silent for most of it, but, like, they popped for the opening scramble because they popped for Garcia, Bennett, Blackwood, and Puff because... The local guys. But not just that. They are fans of Every Time I Die. Andy Williams has a podcast. Yeah. And he mentions them on his podcast a lot so the fans know them. And then this
0: would be the one match that has multiple guys that made sense because yeah. of the local
1: catch. But here's the thing.
0: You look at running a wrestling show, why not you take those guys? They're very capable. You put them in singles matches against some of your other Blackcraft guys. And you can make a shorter card. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: And then uh and you also had the I know the six man tag team no disqualification match. Uh use tables that got a pop, but I can understand like the crowd, the crowd saw tables getting broke. They're a pop. And they also pop for the run-in appearance of Gangrel, who got who's just flown in for a running. Yep. Just flew in just for, just for, for a running. <laughs> yep. So yeah. And, and obviously by the main event now on the documentary, they actually mentioned Soraya and Talia going into the Christmas tree. They got a lot of shit for that, because they didn't. They didn't run that by uh, Riverworks. You're not like, supposed
0: to fight in the crowd in New York State. That you're not, too.
1: You're, you're not supposed to, and they're like in the crowd.
0: There was they're, another. They're right near the ping pong, or ping pong, the pinball machine, and all that. And yeah,
1: yeah. And there was. Uh, I know Matthew Justice did the same thing with James Storm. Where, yeah, New York State. Most of the time, you have a you have an inspector from the FBI Commission's there, and they can they watch the show like a hawk, and anything especially fighting the crowd they will run over there and watch it and you're going to get either stern talking to or at the at at the very most a fine i've i've seen feds get fined for it before but just the fact of just doing it but not just fighting the not just like from the commission i know riverworks was hot about that about using the christmas tree
0: and then also too like you know, it was supposed to be two to three thirty, but didn't it get moved up so they had more time because yeah, they 1 30. Were, when they told they couldn't go past three thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Which also too now you have a crowd that's expecting wrestling at two and you're just gonna start at one thirty to make sure you get your stuff in. Well, we've been at those shows. It really doesn't start getting filled till right before two. You'll it will look like nobody's there throughout the one yeah. o'clock hour. And then boom, once we say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, to the season. There's people. Like, they all come, like, in that last yeah. 10 minute window. We
1: even doors open at one, but, like, it's, they handle, like, a concert. They have legit security that are checking bags, they're patting people down. That takes time. So, it's not like one o'clock doors open and all these people rush in. So, like, yeah, there was no, a. they delay. do a
0: lot of security checking for this.
1: Yeah. The security checking of even when we were when we were doing ring crew taking the ring out and then coming back in, we had to show our wristband every time we every walked back time. in. Every single time. Every time I
0: lay I walked out every every year. Like it's like, oh yeah, I was on the show. <laughs> like Like I was just carrying a I <laughs> carrying a board. Didn't you see me? <laughs> well i I remember being in my suit and I have a wristband, but I was just like like I so said, we just got done with the show and I remember like trying to walk back in the locker room, a guy goes, Uh do you got a wristband? Who are you? And I'm like and I'm literally... I just said, thanks for coming. And I'm in my... Sim, I'm like, what? So,
1: it, it, the security guy. Yeah. Well, I know, like, it's, the it's last like, show... Uh, yeah, the past year, our uh, good friend Rob Sanderson had... He did commentary on the last Blackcraft show. So he had the all-access wristband. The all-access wristband worked for everything, but up until 10 o'clock. Once 10 o'clock hit, you needed, like, a certain different laminated one to get backstage because that's when everyone clears out. It's just every time I die is playing. He didn't have that. So even though he had all access pass throughout the day, as soon as 10 o'clock hit, they wouldn't let him back in the locker room to get his, to get his bags or anything. So they were very strict on that too.
0: That's weird. like, well, I think cause I had the same security guy after a while. So I think he just knew I was there, but like, uh, We didn't, like, because I remember, like, me and, 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 like, Anthony, Anthony uh, Gaines and Gavin Glass still going into the locker room, like... Well, I'm sure
1: there's certain ways you could probably still sneak in, like, just walk it. Like, we talked last month about the Ballpark Brawl shows. (laughs) You just walk it. Um, And we're going to talk about that a little bit later
0: (laughs) uh, regarding these for White Eagle
1: Hall. But, but, um... I See, I just lost my train of thought about this show, but, uh yeah they were there were uh very very strict with that about uh coming in and out and yeah we had three thirty hard cut and uh just trying to get the show over just the headache we had to deal with and uh that that's what I was gonna say about the uh the wristbands so when we get there at eight o'clock you didn't need a wristband because the place technically wasn't open yet we just walk in and do ring crew as we're getting closer to 1 o'clock, uh, a bunch of us are waiting outside the promoter's office. Uh, the promoter is the actual concert promoter for every time I die. He's running everything. He's got the wristbands to give to everyone. And he has different colors for bands, different colors for the wrestlers. And I'm standing there waiting for, waiting for the promoter to hand us wristbands. I'm wait- and I'm waiting outside this door with Bill Molnar right next to me we make eye contact we nod he sees me there proto comes out hands me about 20 wristbands to give to all of the esw green crew guys and he hands bill a few bill sees this 20 minutes 30 minutes later crowd is finally coming in i'm doing the last minute last minute things moving the guardrails i go up to bill and i ask him one simple thing I believe it was about like the guardrails how he wanted the guardrails to tip. He just looks at me and he's like, "Oh, are you a fan or do you work here?" And I'm just like, "Oh, goddamn it, Bill. Like, I've been here, I've been here for 6 hours setting up your ring. Come on." <laughs> so, yeah, I chalked it up to to just maybe an experience and just being over his head overall, and I think that's the underlying theme here throughout the show, not not trying to throw one single guy under the bus, but definitely that seems to be the recurrent theme here.
0: Yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, so overall, I think, show a little too much talent. Of course, a lot of disqualifications, a lot of count outs, disqualifications, um, which would be really become a trend. Uh, so the next show was February 23rd, 2019. That was a partnership show they did with Destiny Wrestling. Now, this idea and concept is really what they should have did for Media Weekend. They just put on matches. They just put on like, hey, it's Destiny Wrestling versus Blackcraft Wrestling. There wasn't a lot of the Blackcraft aspect of it to where we gotta have this disqualification for a six-man scramble match. Oh, the preacher's gotta come out and do a 20-minute speech and this and that. So you had a blood ritual death match, where Channing, which is basically a death match, uh, Channing uh, Decker defeated G Raver,
1: uh, and that's right up what Decker wants to do. So like I'm sure that was
0: great. Two perfect guys for that. And Decker, if you're looking at the best death death match wrestler in Canada, Decker's on the very short list. Yeah. Um, Then you had Falaba, Lee, Costa, and Ryan Wright which Dustin Guess I think Lee Costa and Ryan White were actually like Santino students, Uh, defeating Ace Austin, Lord Crew, and Peaky Sanchez. Uh, Chris Dickinson defeated Michael Elgin. That sounds like a great match. Uh, Stone Rockwell defeated Dick (laughs) Justice. You're basically both promotions comedy characters. Yeah. Um, And you had a Blackraft Tag Team title where OVE defeated Aiden Prince and Kobe Durst by disqualification, but still Aiden Prince, Kobe Durst, Two top young Canadian talent Samantha Heights defeated Shotzi Blackwell Blackheart at that time Shotzi was On a lot of Destiny shows Yeah. Um, then it was the Blackraft heavyweight title Where Johnny Blackcraft defeated PJ Black uh, Also it was Justin Gabriel That was he, he was a Destiny Guy and then they had The Destiny title where Josh Alexander Defeated Simon Grimm so It was your standard partner with another company No Titles changed <laughs> everybody kind of evenly gets
1: victories. Yeah. But I look at it like just as an indie fan, like this is the strongest card. This is a great card. Yeah.
0: A great card.
1: Cause not only it wasn't just, here's a black craft guy gets a local guy. Like it's Michael Elgin, which personally, like any issues with him aside, like he solid talent, like PJ black, solid talent, Kobe Durst and Aiden Prince. Like, Two really solid talents, so like everything here really, really was really was great. So yeah, I mean overall, like you said, the
0: most solid card they had. I would want to watch this show. Yeah, maybe it's taken away from their concept, and I said their concept was a good idea, but like like you've made a point. They've done their con. They they amped up their concept too much. It was too okay. Like this is perfect. Hey, it's Blackcraft Destiny. We're just going to put on a solid show, and that show is how media weekend shows are booked. That right there is a media weekend show. Like, hey, we're just going to put on dream matches. Yeah, have a good time.
1: That would have been that would have been a good show. Yes, for not saying Toronto isn't a hotbed for wrestling, but it would have been something where you could have ran that in conjunction with another event or, yeah, Mania, SummerSlam, something, or in like. That's a Philly or New York type of concept, even when there's not you're not piggybacking off yeah. of a major event.
0: And the Don Kolov Arena, it's a small arena. It's a, actually uh, it's where the uh, the um, uh, Saint, well Santino was the former owner. I think he did sell it, but that is where uh, the Battle Arts Battle Arts School was. Um, but I mean, nice wrestling ambience, a wrestling arena. So, um, which. Honestly, they hit they hit that in every venue but Anaheim, which never happened. So, uh, all right here. So, really, it comes down to this now. So, so far, before we get into this, it looks like it's going to be a successful wrestling company. Yeah, we can nitpick the Buffalo show, and you could start to see the the flaws, like thinking, "Hey, we'll just buy time and maybe not recognizing
1: the guys you should be working with." And they're getting into their stride. It's a lot of growing pains. Like, I've worked with a lot of companies when they've started out, and there's a lot of growing pains for indie wrestling. You, it takes you a little while to find your stride and find your image and and get in the groove of things and realize what you're doing. So, yeah, they're on the right track, I think, in my opinion, on this. Yeah,
0: three shows in. Yeah, they had a canceled show and all that, but three shows
1: in. But, you know, ticket prices are not anything. Like, I think they made a mistake with Anaheim. I think they realized it was for ticket prices, and... Yeah, we we didn't mention Destiny is ticket prices were thirty dollars to a hundred dollars. That's Canadian, but that's about it. Works out about about the same. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like hundred dollars though.
0: I don't. That's definitely not a normal Destiny like for no. a VIP price.
1: No, definitely not. But like they were on, they were on fight for that one. Oh yeah, and that uh, was when
0: fight starts becoming a big deal.
1: Yeah, and there were fifteen dollars I believe for that. So yeah. Uh, Let me uh, take a look at the U.S. exchange rate to Canada just out of curiosity. So if we're looking at $100 Canadian, that's $76 U.S. But for anyone that regularly travels into Canada, they realize a Canadian, when you buy stuff in Canada, the price is usually higher anyways. So that, that, that about evens out. So,
0: I mean, it, it, it all, I mean, it all comes down, uh, d- to this here. Uh, <laughs> it all comes down to this now. Uh, by the way too, actually for the ritual, Doug Bradley is, is advertised for it, but I don't, can't recall if he was on the show or not. Um, cause he is on the original flyer.
1: I don't know. That's the one Blackcraft show. I, I wasn't able to view. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't find it either. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. Um,
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, they, and they and well, and just mind you while they were doing this too, they were doing these videos, like it was into the cult. They were, they were building storylines and everything on YouTube and all that. And, but you weren't hearing a lot of promotion on those. They weren't pushing those. They really should have pushed those, you know, a a lot more.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if, if they did it, but if they didn't, it would have been a good opportunity to partner with a lot of their a lot of the other brands that they have clothing coffee other brands and with musicians and artists and be like hey can you help share this and get them to share the videos too and try to get some crossover on that like you have a built-in audience like don't look at don't look at black craft wrestling as an island unto itself i guess the best way of looking at it is the ECW TNN saga, where yeah they're on TNN, but TNN never promoted them and never did commercials on the on their network to to tell anyone else that were watching their network that ECW existed. I think Blackcraft had so many connections as an overall company that they really didn't take advantage of that fully to get that crossover.
0: So. So now, yeah, I mean, and here's the one thing they did with Destiny. They actually reached out to a local wrestling company. Actually, we found out Destiny reached out to them. So really, they didn't reach out to a local wrestling company. Destiny reached out to them, as mentioned in a documentary. But here they are. They're finally doing what I've been saying they should be doing. You're, you're not going to sit yourself in one city and say, hey, we're an indie company. So you're going to be a traveling indie company. Work with other promotions. Game Changer does it. You know, even Global Force Wrestling is whatever you think about. <laughs> think about it that's what it did
1: impact uh from mania weekend last year impact ran a show in a venue with other feds too yeah like like, even impact's doing it
0: um so so now like i said now it it gets it gets to the point uh here uh the last black craft show ever and this is going to be a good meat and potatoes of the show (laughs) uh it would be april 5th 2019 no apologies in the white hegel hall in jersey city new jersey all right, so like I said, here it is, um, and it's it's the event that killed black craft wrestling, <laughs> and that is, uh, and I h- hate to laugh about it, but because you know, a lot a lot of great guys worked these shows and, and got work, but uh, yeah, it was no apologies. The white, like I said, White Eagle Hall in, in Jersey City, New Jersey. Now, this show was part of WrestleMania weekend that was in New York that weekend we just happened to both be in. Uh, That area, that unfortunately neither of us attended the show, which is a big regret to both of us. We would have loved to been there. Uh, I was doing some comedy spots uh, and and stuff, and and
1: yeah, you you, you were in Manhattan, so yeah, you had comedy in uh, Brooklyn, and like this was in Jersey, so like it it didn't work out. We attended a few shows over at the Collective uh, that weekend. This was uh, this is unfortunately not one of them. No, in hindsight, definitely. Should have been there, yes. I, I would have loved to see that. I mean, one of the
0: talents on the show, I won't even, but he said it was the worst professional wrestling show he was ever part of his career. So, that it's that type of show. <laughs> yeah, I
1: sometimes like watching that type of stuff. So, um, I love Train Rocks,
0: yeah, but it was part of the collective. And those of you who are, who are not too aware, um, so the collective is. They usually run WrestleMania weekend. They just did it in Indianapolis a couple weeks ago. But they run WrestleMania weekend, and it's basically time slots for shows throughout the weekend. So starting usually at Thursday or Friday, and then there'll be different promotions, different showcase shows, whatever it may be.
1: It's generally associated with Game Changer with IWTV, but they have open slots. And if you're an indie fed and they have an open slot, you could pay for that. You pay for a slot. So it's... And talent's Generally very easy to access. Yeah, that's a big thing too. Um if you watched the collective a few a few weeks ago, it, it was kind of different. But normally during Mania Weekend, talent is talent's available. Any talent you want, basically any living former WWE name or W C name is available for a booking because they're all in town. Not just for the collective but or not just for The Collective or Mania, but also for Russell Con and everything that High Spots does and everything that every other fed does. So it's a very – it's just – it's a collective, I guess would be the best word. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I, a very a very festive well, atmosphere. Sounded, but that's what it is. Yeah, but it's a very festive atmosphere, especially uh, – like we go backstage for a few of the shows that are in The Collective and you just walk through and you, you're just seeing random – Former WWE guys and some current WWE guys are just there hanging out backstage visiting friends. It's a very uh, – it was that type of atmosphere.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think one of my favorite parts was accidentally running into fake Sting and him, like, him being very apologetic. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> I mean <laughs> it, my – favorite story of that weekend of you running into people was you almost pushing down Jesse Jackson.
0: All right. So I guess we should give context to the story. So um, Ash and I, uh, we worked a table at WrestleCon for Empire State Wrestling those both weekends. Uh, And I think, was this the Friday or Saturday? I can't remember. what. I don't
1: remember.
0: But I remember very hungry. And I remember like, I was going to try to do Postmates and all that, but like, how do I get it delivered up into this? They're not going to be allowed in. Like it was just going to be a disaster. So I was just waiting till it was four o'clock because I'm a vegan. If that, those of you don't know, so there wasn't a lot of food options for me. Well, actually, <laughs> this was definitely Friday because Saturday, uh, uh, Colin Delaney and 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 his girlfriend Julia pointed out to me there was vegan options downstairs yeah. the whole time. I had no
1: I mean, idea. You're, new, you're like, in Manhattan. There's vegan options, but there's not like you. It's not every street corner. You can't no. you can't find a food cart at the at the street. There corner. was nothing
0: right outside the hotel. So. Yeah. I was scoping and I found this taco place and I knew as soon as Ash and I broke down for the day and it had to be the Friday because we didn't have to pack up so yeah. I knew as soon as we were gonna go out out there and I'm hitting this this vegan taco joint in Manhattan I'm just going right to it and we're we're running and but you're power walking I'm power walking yeah and I'm, I'm I'm just trying to find this place I got a Google Maps in the walk and I've never used walk in Google Maps before but I'm like trying to find this place and I almost like run in to the sky, and I look, and it's the Reverend Jesse Jackson coming out of a hotel with a security, and then I'm like... Security force. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you stop, like, I grabbed your arm and stopped you, like, 10 feet away from bumping into him, because <laughs> you, they would have took you down.
0: And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I, I, I just kept walking out my day, but give me a bald, ra- ra- raving, like, ranting man, like, <laughs>
1: And bald man tackles Jesse Jackson on Manhattan street. Yeah, no that, that, that wouldn't that would have been too well. So,
0: if he's listening, which he is not. <laughs> Reverend Jesse Jackson, I'm sorry I almost ran into you that day. Um I was just very hungry. <laughs> so, but yeah, so uh so yeah, like you said, the collective and now the shows were given traditionally about like 3 hours.
1: Okay? But, yeah, overall, you'd have a show starting at, like, noon, you'd have one start at 4, another one start at either 7 or 8, and then a midnight show, or 11, eight, 11 p.m., and that's, like, it, it varied from what we heard, uh, there's a, there was a hired out at a certain time with the venue, so yes. a few shows, AIW ran, they initially had a midnight slot on Thursday night, they moved to 11 p.m. to give them self extra time.
0: And that's a smart, smart decision because John Thorne has been doing this for a long time, knows, okay, my vision is not going to be done by 3 a.m. with teardown and everything. Yeah. Because you pretty much got to be out. Everyone's got to be out of the building by 3 a.m. from what I gathered.
1: Yeah. And from what we understand, what we heard at that at that time, that Blackcraft was offered that too and was recommended to them, hey, you should start an hour early because this is why. And they didn't take them up on the offer. They wanted to start at midnight because or 11.59. Because the preacher's yeah. saying the midnight hour. That's yeah. what they wanted. But now, as we're doing research, they're advertising this, and tickets, you could buy a ticket for, you can buy, like, a season pass for The Collective and get all nine shows. Or you could buy them individually. From what I saw uh, on, I think, brown paper, brown paper tickets, uh, they were... Asking thirty dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars,
0: which thirty dollars was the standard collective ticket.
1: Yeah, but one hundred and fifty for a mania show when you have so many people spending money on everything else, like that's very high there. price. But also, and those front row seats were just white folding so You didn't get like a cool collectible chair yeah. or anything like. that. The thing with the collective, though, you're like front rows. You're usually standing by ringsides. Traditional like game changer type atmosphere where you're standing at the ring, like game changer beyond. So. I, would I pay under fifty dollars to stand next to a ring? Uh, but either way, uh, from from this actual ticket website, it lists start the show eleven fifty nine p.m. and three fifty nine a.m. So they and I've seen that a, a few other sites too. So they had blocked out four hours and and they're telling fans we're going four hours now. I did a little bit more research into Jersey City. Uh, I can't say that I've ever drank until closing time in the state of New, Jer- New Jersey. But. No, we, we got as soon as our shows were done, we got out right out yeah. of Jersey City. Well, i never went to a bar. I never <laughs> went to a dive bar in Jersey, especially Jersey City. But from what I have been able to research, last call in Jersey City is 3 a.m. And I actually looked up Jersey City Code Enforcement and for a nightclub, which I'm assuming White Eagle Hall would be listed under a nightclub. It listed, like, concert venues listed similar under Yeah, nightclubs. I mean,
0: it'd be a concert venue, but yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, their permitted hours of operation is on Friday and Saturday is noon to 3 a.m. So by law they have to be locking the doors at 3 a.m. So just remember to keep that in mind. That means everyone out, doors locked, and shut down. Now, uh, as we are going through this, so they are planning to go Friday night, Saturday morning. The show before them was GCW Joey Janela's Spring Break show one part one and on the documentary uh, Soraya Knight was very adamant about her hatred for Game Changer and how they went over Uh, if that's what she was told and she's going with that that's I'm not going to hold it against her but they were on they were on fight they were live streaming they started exactly at 8 o'clock which is their listed start time was 8 p.m. Their card had eight matches. Uh, only match that went over 10 minutes was Marco Stun against Joey Janela. Very managed card.
0: Yeah. And this is, mind you, this isn't spring break with the clusterfuck. Yeah. This isn't like, hey, we're going to put 90 guys on a battle royal. Like, this is... Night one of two nights of it, this were just hey, we're just going to put on matches.
1: Yeah, regular matches. Marco Stern against Joey went 15 minutes. Tony Deppin against Dustin Thomas went about five minutes. Jungle Boy against A Kid, uh, Australian Suicide, Jack Atlas, Shane Mercer, and Slim J went exactly 10 or 10 minutes, three seconds. Nick Gage went against Atani, nine minutes. Visible Man against Visible Stan, seven minutes. Taka Michinoku against Orange Cassie, a little over eight. Starman, being played by Virgil, went went against Ethan Page. That three was seconds. Three seconds. Yep. He he stole Ethan Page's soul. Yep. <laughs> and then the main event with a death match of Takata against Jimmy Lloyd went eight minutes. And I looked at the video file of this. As I do have the show. Uh, video file total time was two hours sixteen minutes. Now they started at eight. Didn't have an intermission because that's the shows don't have intermissions. You just go straight through. So the show would have been over. 10 15 10 20 yeah so if you follow the documentary that claims they couldn't get in they couldn't get in this show went over no that show went two hours a few minutes over soraya made a claim too that
0: they weren't allowed to get their talent back there too and they weren't allowed to get like stuff at least ready to put out
1: they couldn't get into the venue is what they claimed You and I were there the next night
0: to do a ref bump spot for night two of Spring Break. No security. I mean, I hate the, like, boulder spot, but there really wasn't any security. No, we were. I I mean, a couple guys recognized. Like, Joey recognizes the day before. Like, at, at Russell Connelly. Yeah, like, I knew there's, we
1: weren't getting any issues. There's but, people on the show that knew us, but that was... But, like, you're an indie worker. You couldn't just walk back there. And the thing I is, like... you could
0: just walk... Up, and there was an outside area that, with a truck, like, they could have put stuff in the truck.
1: Yeah, like, the locker or, room... Had stuff ready, like... The locker room White Eagle Hall was not really a spacious locker room. It was very, very tight, but the venue had an outdoor patio in the back, and that was used as That's a locker we room. we got ready, like... That was used as a locker room. You had high uh, picket fences that blocked off, and people hanging out there. So to say that you couldn't get talent in, you couldn't get people in there, is just a fallacy. Like you, there was plenty of space to get in there. Now, because you talking about getting spring the balcony, break the
0: night after, had way more talent, even with the two shows combined. Yeah, <laughs> like just because, like I said, the the closet park had like ninety guys. Yeah. it.
1: now I. Th- I think the major issue they had, and this is a hundred percent on them, is when you're as we as we mentioned the collective is a bunch of shows and just all these random indie shows, they all use the same ring, they use the same sound system, they use the right same now. cameras, everything is uniform, you all you just use the same equipment, whether it's smart mark or I W T V or whoever equipment is, you just use the same equipment. And uh Brendan Lombardo says in the documentary that they had to get their hard cam in there. They had to get their side cams. They had to get their cables in. Joey Janella responded on Twitter about uh, about them insisting on bringing their own production and own iPay Per View streaming, even though uh, Joey and the crew said that it would be an issue. So, no other company did this. Yeah. So that's on them. And I understand them wanting their own look and feel, but it wasn't added the w- stress. The way Eagle need to was already
0: perfect. It was a cool yeah. wrestling venue, and you were going to look different just by, you know, the, the what you use for maybe like the different color lights for guys coming out and some music and all that. Like you didn't have to do much, and the wrestling fan knows you're part of the collective. They know. You're not going to be able to put your whole set and everything and, and, and all that in such a short time period. And this goes to my point I've been hammering through the whole show. They're, I'm sorry, their ignorance to not work with other wrestling companies. You're on a, sh- a weekend called The Collective. And you're not working with other wrestling companies. You're not taking the advice that John Thorne did and move your show up. You're not listening to Janela and Game Changer and Lauderdale saying, just use the stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, Drew all of... from
0: Beyond was there running a lot of this stuff. I'm sure he gave them a lot of great advice.
1: <laughs> yeah, you definitely. And, and running cables, they had side cams. Like, how hard is it to run a cable? Like, I've been running cables 20 years. It's not that bad. Especially if especially if your cameras are using STI cables, I'm getting technical here, but you're probably using the same type of cabling that the rest of the collective is using. So if you, if you desperately want to use your own campus, you could just easily plug them into the same cables. But now we're getting way too technical. Again, I don't know 100%, but still. All of this added stress and added burden that they're claiming in the documentary is 100% on them. There's no blaming anyone else but them for that. And just even added to that, all right, it's taking you that long. By midnight, they're pretty much good to go with production from everything I'm understanding. But then they had to run a crucifixion
0: angle. We'll get to that. So I just want to build it up before we go. So we're building up so the logistics of... They wanted to start at midnight, and uh, that th- that was their thing. They, no, we got to start at midnight. We got to start at midnight. We got to got to start midnight. They wouldn't move their show up, and they claimed that they couldn't get in. They had to do all that. the hard cam was on a completely different uh, way than the than the rest of the shows. Just unnecessary stuff. So here we are. Now we're on to the show. Now, what do you think you're going to start off with? Hot match, right? Get the crowd because you got to remember this is a this is. You've siphoned out one card. You've siphoned out another one. Let's get it going. Well, the preacher comes out, and I get once again. He was your authority guy. It made sense.
1: But and, and again, like the preacher is something unique to them compared to all the other shows yeah. happening Spring Break. So, can't take advantage of him.
0: But he can come out and do a short, three to five minute promo and invite us <laughs> to Blackcraft Wrestling. But that's not what happened. It was around twenty minutes. And including in that, as you just mentioned, was a crucifixion angle. So that guy that was doing the tattoo surgery video with PCO, he was a fan, and I use that in quotation marks, you guys can't see as visually. They asked who would like to be the sacrifice. Well, they, they just said they asked for a fan, and they didn't tell him they were going to sacrifice they would
1: him. They to join the cult. Yeah, join
0: the cult, and they they put him on the crucifixion. The crazy thing about that crucifixion is, that crucifix didn't go anywhere. They <laughs> kept it up there the whole time. This guy just stayed on. Out of and then, yeah, it goes back to what, <laughs> the whole show.
1: Like it goes back to like what we were talking about earlier about like, like why, like hokey hokey shit that just like I don't even think that appeals to their fan base. Like their fan base say like yeah that's cool like. There's suspension of disbelief, and then there's just flat-out, like, oh, come on. It's it's not needed. It has nothing – again, it has nothing to do with religion. It's just hokey and dumb. And And even Matt Justice said that in the the documentary. Like, it's just not – And you're thinking about timing,
0: too. They're showing him get, like, hung up on the crew. It wasn't like, hey, maybe it's a a good idea if maybe he comes on and goes, we had a man join the cult, and now he has become a sacrifice. And then they – Maybe, you know, because there was those, they, they could have did the curtains, yeah. and, and then boom, you have a guy in a crew. But no, you showed the whole process, and it, this thing goes on for about 20 minutes. And mind you, you have to think, you have to remember where we are. We're at 12
1: o'clock at night. So I mean, why didn't they start that at like 11.45 while you're still yes. running cables for the hard cam. Like when you're still trying to get chairs set up. Like if, if it was that important to run important to do that spot, get it out of the way quick.
0: Well, we're at twelve o'clock at night though. You gotta remember this is this is wrestling people because here's the thing. Nobody who's just a fan of the Blackcraft t-shirt brand or blackcraft wrestling came to the show. I can't unless they were in the area, I can't fathom some Blackcraft Wrestling fan going, Oh, I'm gonna go to that show, nothing else on the collective. No Ring of Honor, no nothing that Evolve was doing at that time. Oh, I'm not going to go to WrestleCon, WWE Mania. No, that didn't happen. Unless they were very local to the area, that did yeah. not happen. I'm sorry. So you have wrestling fans that have done all these things all day long. It is a long day. We get exhausted. You, like whether you're a fan or in the business, it's a long day. You have conventions, you have shows, you have all the travel. New York was not easy to navigate between all those venues.
1: No, that's that's that and was then a You got to go to Jersey for for a lot of it. These
0: were these fans were tired. They just wanted to get right to it. And it was unnecessary. It was like I said, I don't care how much it fits in your brand. You don't crucify a guy when you know you are, are and and they've been t- and they were and they were told at this point too that they were only going to have. I think right before the show started, said, hey, you only have till two thirty. I think they were told. That's what they were told. So they know this. So maybe you go. Mm, let's not do the crucifixion. Or like my idea, speed it up, show the curtains, guys on the crucifix. Great, whatever. It's your brand. Move on.
1: So, but oh, all right, they're they're pressed for time. So all right, that crucifix is over. What do they do for the uh, <laughs> the first match?
0: So originally it was advertised; it was supposed to be Jimmy Havoc versus G-Raver, and it was going to be a Devil's Dead match, which was the uh, ropes made out of steel chains. So, so they take the
1: ropes down and put the chain up. Yes. Yeah,
0: and now they were using the collective ring because that all oh, that would have been a words disaster. They decided well, they want their own ring. Yeah, now you got to take ropes off. Well. You think at least maybe do that when the preacher is talking for twenty minutes crucifying a guy? No, no, no. We had the crucifixion, and now we're gonna have the first match. bullets change the ropes.
1: And not just that. Like, so who was actually in the match? Because Jimmy Havoc, Jimmy Havoc had to pull out. He slack. was yeah. So you know, slack. So who to that crowd? Game changer guy. Very well known. Yeah, but the fact of you had this match you building up with G Raver and Jimmy Havoc. And one guy is out. And now you're pressed for time. Wouldn't you just cut this match completely off the show? You didn't need to fill that slot. Or you just didn't have to do chain ropes either. That too. You didn't have to do chain rope. Like when you're pressed for time. Because it's not
0: the original guy. So you could just do a regular de- like street fight.
1: Yeah.
0: Boom. There you go.
1: I mean, the match went eight minutes, 43 seconds. So almost nine minutes. And twice as long, three times as long, just to remove the ropes and put the ropes back on. Any anyone that anyone that's never touched a ring, putting ropes on can take some time, just to get them correctly and get them right. Well, because you put and them spend, on,
0: but then you got to make sure they're tight enough, and then they may not be tight enough. So then you got to adjust them and adjust them. Like
1: there's it's- there's a certain there's a certain science to go with it. Uh, I know some. Some workers are listen to this probably think, like, no, you just tighten them. But, like, you pretty, pretty much have to tighten, like, middle, bottom top and go in a certain order and tighten them because tightening them pulls the ring post in. So it can take time to actually get it correct where you're not putting undue stress on the ring and they're on all the sides. So it's nothing you can do within, like, two minutes. And obviously it delayed the show even even more. Yeah. And um, we actually, third
0: suitor, asked us a bunch of questions when we said we were going to dig into Black Crab Wrestling. He said, before the first match, um, as weapons were put in the ring, a guy uh, brought out a pane of glass. Then another guy came out and took away the pane of glass. The first guy came back and noticed that the glass was missing and had a meltdown. So what happened to that pane of glass? (laughs) I couldn't exactly answer that, but that just shows where... You know, some guys probably, well, well we don't need that. Or I, I don't know. But it was definitely miscommunication with their with their crew, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, you didn't need a pane of glass anyways for this. So, all right. So at match eight, and we're going to talk about the times on this, eight minutes and 43 seconds. Now they got to take the ropes off. Here you go. So you're taking those ropes off and you're putting your ropes back on. A necessary time. Now we have the Black craft Tag Team title five-way match. Uh, the main event, who, uh, uh, Duke Davis and Gannon Jones. Then he defeated OVE, uh, the Chris Brothers, Lafaville de Tijuana, who was Besita and uh, Damian CCC, uh Butcher and the Blade, and then the crown, which was Alexander James and Jern Simmons. Now, this match and third suitor again he he! Want, he wrote a comment about this. He goes, the tag team gauntlet, it was originally announced as an elimination match, but it ended after the first fall. Everyone looked confused as it ended, especially the main event. Were the teams aware that the match was no longer elimination? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think so. And you could tell there was confusion by a couple of guys. I don't think so. The referee looked kind of like, it seemed like he was, I couldn't tell if he was wearing earpiece or not. But it seemed like he was told, like, hey. Just one one pinball. Well, what was the time in that match? (laughs) Time in that match was three minutes and 46 seconds. All these guys.
1: So, yeah, I don't think anyone in there realized that it it went from elimination to first pinfall. So maybe the ref was told before he went out there. But, like, if you're with that many people in the match and those types of people, like the people that are in that match... No way that they all decided, all right, let's go four minutes. So I think maybe the first elimination, first team de-eliminated was at the three minutes, 46 second mark. They might have all planned to go like six to eight, maybe a little bit longer. But you're not getting five teams to to agree to a three minute match. Like that's that was just mass confusion, in my opinion. Well, and, and and here here's the
0: thing about it, too that just like just, just blows my mind is you know you're short of time, right? But you told all these talents you'd be there. Well, why don't you there's other ways, there's like Memphis y ways to book it where you could have they all just start brawling each other and maybe Butcher and the Blade and the Crown brawl each brawl into in the back. So now you're down to three teams. And then maybe you could do a little something with a little bit of time you have. And and the crowd this was, even with the crucifixion, which the crowd did not, like, they're like, what? And then, they, Devil's Dead match, which they were kind of into, this, they just, there was no response in Main Event yeah. 1, and I
1: felt bad for those guys, and it wasn't their fault. No, and there's... It was just,
0: like, people were like, well, okay, that was it. Ten teams, that's it. And like or you said, there's guys, five teams, that's it. There's
1: definitely ways, like, I've, I I run grill position in a lot of feds, and I've done it for a lot of years. There are ways if you're told you have a hard out this time, you have to speed this up. Of like a match is over, guys leaving the ring, the guys not even, the workers are not even through the curtain yet. The, ref, the ring announcer is already announcing the next match. And as soon as that guy gets through the curtain, the next person comes out. Like there's ways to speed it up to get as much out of a card as you can. And we talk
0: about using what's around you. The ring announcer was good. He was not a professional wrestling ring announcer. I didn't recognize him. Didn't know who he was. He did a very, he had a very MMA sound. Great. But you, you're in a building. That now, Larry Legend did play by play, so that makes sense. But you have Larry Legend. paladino has been there all weekend long. Righteous Jesse is there. Wouldn't you just use a ring announcer that was there?
1: Right. just Chadda would hire, fit in with that. act. Yes, he would fit in with that.
0: hire, you know what? I was in the air. You know <laughs> egotistically, but but I'm just saying, like, you didn't have to hire an MMA guy. Now I yeah. could be wrong. Maybe he is a wrestling guy. I did not recognize him. He sounded great, but it was, once it's just a little thing. It's just a little
1: thing. But he, he, again, like making it like no Japanese entrances, just make a quick, quick, quick in and out. Like there's ways to shave off time in this. You know, and that's a, and a guy like that,
0: a MMA announcer doesn't know how to do that because you're not you don't have to do that in mma yeah when i re announce mma and, and, and kickboxing or not they don't care about time they really don't because because the fights they don't know when they're going to end i mean they have rounds but they it could be a first round knockout it could be that so
1: and, and in a state with a like athletic commission there's certain things you have yeah. to hit on you can't just speed things up
0: the, 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 exactly so with stuff like like he doesn't know when it's like oh we only got 90 minutes to do a show like, that's not something or, you know, for them, they only had, you know, they had to basically get it done in two and a half hours. That's not, if he never did wrestling for it, that's not something he would think to do. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe I should cut these short, this and that, you know.
1: Someone is obviously not filling him in, whether it's whether it's Bill, whether it's Brandon, like someone's not telling him, you got to cut this out, you got to speed this up quick, quick, quick.
0: Um, so then we had Matt Justice defeating uh, Gangrel. That was seven minutes and forty nine seconds. Justice mentioned on the documentary that they just didn't have enough time to really tell the story they wanted to. Yeah. And if you guys have, aren't familiar with Gangrel in this era, he can go and he will have great long matches.
1: Not just this era, even today, <laughs> like Gangrel. Well,
0: well, I mean, but yeah, two
1: thousand. Yeah, today. But, yeah. yeah. I consider a part of this era. Like I said, this is the most modern thing we'll probably talk about. We, we, we work with Gangro at least twice a year at this point in Random Feds, and he's still on point. Like, he still comes in there and performs. He's been working 35 years. He's still, he still puts on performance. So, they're given seven minutes, 49
0: seconds. There's a match. Now we have the essence Harlow Hair and Vipress against Kimberly and Machiko-san. Now, watching this show. You have to remember, this is, this is where my storyline thing comes into. It starts with the crucifixion, but really this too. It just had matches. So apparently Lainey Luck was supposed to be the partner of Machiko-san. She couldn't make it. They announced her as a partner. Then she didn't come out. And then Machiko-san said, yeah, Lainey Luck's not here, but here's my partner. Then Kimberly. You didn't have to do that. You could have literally just brought out Machiko-san and Kimberly. That's that's all there was no previous like I don't know if it was on an episode into of the cult, but there was no previous like thing on another Blackcraft show that they were feuding or you didn't have and, and like and, and Laney Luck's a great talent, but it's it, it it's not like Tyre Valkyrie cancelled on you.
1: You know what I mean? Like And didn't uh Matiko, did she come in just for this remaining for weekend? I don't remember. I if think she... so. I don't know if she did much
0: after. Like, well, other I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not she advocating. May, she maybe,
0: maybe did shimmer. I don't know.
1: I'm not advocating like deep booking talents uh, once you've made a commitment. But like that's definitely a match that could have been scrapped or not for nothing. Like so, the essence. The essence is with Sor- Soraya. Yeah. Why didn't you just combine that match and make it a six man? Uh, right. You still could have went. They still would have went short, but you combine that, and you cut out Sry and Mar- Maria Mannix entrances and exits and all of that. Like you're going to save some time right there,
0: right there. And, and that match went five minutes and forty nine seconds with the essence winning. Then now this is where it starts to get like kind of sad, like with how these matchups that are put together and the time that they got. Simon Grimm... Uh, def- defeated uh, Pentagon uh, in three minutes and 49 seconds. Pentagon Jr. Dark, Pentagon, Penta L0, Penta l whatever you want to call it. That just makes me hurt inside that now they had to like realize, oh, crap. I think this is when they realized, oh, no. We're going <laughs> to run
1: out of time. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to know the one thing that didn't get hit in the documentary was when did they find out that they couldn't buy more time? I'm going to guess it's right now.
0: Because Simon Grimm and Penta only going three minutes and forty nine
1: seconds. Well I don't I don't know because obviously Justin Gangrel got sh- went they under eight minutes, yeah. but also the tag title match. So I feel like even by the time yeah, I, can know, yeah. I can understand I can understand, I can understand G Raver and Schlack going nine because that type of match they're they're doing yeah that's that's about right. It's, I think I think by the time they hit the tag match is when they realized, especially if no one in the tag match, if they all looked shocked and didn't realize it was first pinfall. So, I think by that time they found out, oh shit, we can't pay for more time. And I, we didn't mention it earlier. But I think like,
0: you're right. But the the thing that blows my mind is, is that if they knew that, why is Machiko cutting a promo, bringing Kimber out? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Why is that yeah. happening? Like, and,
1: and, uh, it also wasn't hit on in the documentary or anything subsequent after that, but from what we've heard that the venue if they if blackcraft didn't stick to the time and didn't get out of the time, they would have can the venue would have shut down the last day of the collective, which would have been a lot of money that would have been wasted a lot of money that would have been out for the other feds running that day, which would have been. Uh, spring break part two. That, that been, was the
0: big one there. Yeah,
1: um, That would have been the clusterfuck. Bloodsport um,
0: was that day, too, I think. Maybe No, maybe Bloodsport was Friday. I can't remember.
1: Uh, Bloodsport th- was Thursday. Oh, Thursday. But it yeah. still would have been uh, IWS ran uh, the next day, but more so, yeah, the spring break. But even even besides that. Yeah, like, the Orange people,
0: show, I think that was that day, too.
1: Yeah, but even besides that, like people are paying, you have fans... That are paying for nine shows, and you're gonna, you're gonna cost the collective and cost everyone involved additional shows because you just think, oh, we'll just pay to go forward, similar to the Buffalo show. Like you can't just throw money at things, thinking, oh, we can just go longer than this. It doesn't, it might work in, it might work. It works with in like, music because that yeah, is music. It works in music with like yes. a curfew. I'm sure you could yeah. just pay a fine, but like it doesn't work in indie wrestling. I'll, I'll never forget. Like, I
0: went to a hip hop concert at a local venue called Darien Lake in in, 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 like, between Buffalo and Rochester, New York. And this is a long time ago, 2005. I, I saw 50 Cent. <laughs> and, but he, it was a long day because he had, there was like 11, 12 acts, like, throughout the, the show. And he even said, he goes, I'm going to have to pay this, blah, blah, but I'm going to keep going for you guys. That's his music. He just. Yeah, He he told the crowd, I, I, I'm I going to have to pay this much more, but I'm going to keep playing songs.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I've seen them several times in Chicago. And I'm also a Cubs fan, so I enjoy going to Wrigley Field. Um, they had two concerts at Wrigley Field over the years that have been delayed because of rain. Not just rain, but thunderstorms. And both times, Eddie Vedder has paid out of his own pocket the curfew price. And the second... The second show, the uh 2018 show, we uh we're all huddled into into the concourse as lightning is going on. We come out, they cut out they cut out the encores. Like they still did the music, but like normally for an encore, the band goes away for like five yeah. minutes and then come back out. And then they do like a lot of uh Ed is very big and Pearl is very big on like talking to the crowd and you know, a little banter. They didn't do any, they cut all that out. Second last song's playing, and the venue's turning the lights on. Wrigley Field's turning the lights on to like, like even them, even a band as world famous as Pearl Jam, and that's that run 40,000 people, they're still getting the boots, yeah. And, and and and
0: but and that's the thing, you just you just this goes to show you that they didn't have the right wrestling people in the office. And I'm sorry, Bill Molner. I'm sure you contribute a lot, but maybe there need to be more, but you know, you, you Lombardo didn't, I mean, he, he was a camera guy, but he didn't really know a lot about wrestling. Bobby Shabinski liked it, but you know, he didn't really. And here's the thing is, Bobby Shabinski even at this? Like, I don't, that's what that was <laughs> I was. I don't answer. know. I don't know if he's just like, okay, here's the idea, but it just run with it. Um, but they didn't have the right wrestling guys. There had to be there should have been wrestling guys. They should have asked somebody like, hey, how do we do this? Or this and right there, like I said, you had John Thorne, Brett Lauderdale, Drew Cordero, Joey Janela. you had Finn Gerrard is there. You Finn have
1: Gerard, yeah. You you have the the best and the brightest on not only independent wrestling, but how to do live streaming shows. Yeah. Like they're all there and there was no excuse for this to happen.
0: No, like, hey, what do we do to make this work? That's all I had to ask. Um, so, so yeah, so you're probably right. It, they probably didn't know earlier, but it just Simon Grimm and Penta Zero getting three minutes forty nine seconds. Um, I mean, they did what they could uh, watching that match. Now we have the Blackcraft Heavyweight Title number one Contendership six way, and here's the thing: you got six guys, six separate entrances, and I get, I get it. They're all wrestling each other. I get it. But it was Teddy Hart defeating Dick Justice, Luchasaurus, Matt Cross, Mecker Wolf, and Ray Phoenix. Why don't you just put on some metal music? And here's the six winners. Not just I'm that. Number like, one,
1: two, three, now, four, five. Like <laughs> In my experience, you would do 20 seconds and be like, all right, you're getting 20 seconds. When your song hits 20 seconds, it's ending. So you have 20 seconds to run to the ring. And you can get through everyone's music. But you just cut it really short. Either way, like, that's unnecessary. And like, you can tell like, just... Matt
0: Cross, you can tell the veteran he is. He's the only guy that just like – but he went right to the ring.
1: <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering if Teddy Hart was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm, oh, I'm he going. just came out with the cad and he was just like, whatever. But he probably said, hey, you'd shave some time off your match. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good. Um, and, 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 and they did a lot of dive spots. It,
0: all six of these guys are incredible – competitors and uh it it ended um you know eight minutes and ten seconds and still not enough i mean they did their high spots i I guess you don't really tell a story in a six way anyways but
1: it it, it got a point across but also the fact of luchasaurus is here so what was the real story of why luchasaurus was not the chosen son months earlier we never found out yeah it was never really explained um, then
0: we had a uh, no disqualification match. Now this was the only match of real time, as it should have gotten. And I think they even mentioned documentary. They, they weren't going to tell Masato Tanaka, "Hey man, you got to go six days." Yeah, but it was Masato uh, Masato Tanaka defeating Chris Dickinson with fifteen minutes of forty five. And
1: obviously they were pushing and Dickinson. I this match. This was yeah. the
0: the best match on the card by leagues, <laughs> like you know, far ahead. So, um, but yeah, they they went time. But like I said. For them to have the match, they had to have that time, but they were the only ones that were given the true time for like i well let's say- Sh-
1: Sh- shellac and G raver had the right appropriate time too yeah i think I think that's probably right on time for them,
0: but now at this point, we're at two little right around two o'clock in the morning, and we still got a lot a lot of matches, so we're right around 2 o'clock, so now we have the Blackcraft women's title. Now, this is where they're like, oh, crap. This is probably when the venue's telling them, you have to get out of here soon.
1: Yeah, because I would you assume beforehand, it's before, and it's maybe it's Smart Rock and IWCP. It's like, but, hey,
0: yeah. remember, 2.30. It, now, it's probably like, no. So then, because now you start seeing the match times really dwindle. Uh, the Blackcraft uh, women's title, uh, Soraya Knight defeated Maria Mack by count. And the way they did this, it, it was 26 seconds. Or twenty five seconds, but the way they did this was they brawled on the outside for like three to four minutes, and then her the essence jumped to Maria Manic and she got in there and it was a count out. It's it just unnecessary, like you said. Maybe make do a six a six person tag, or maybe they actually like brawl and then never come back, and then there's no. I don't know. Yeah, but like it was just.
1: I understand, like, you're, you flew Soraya in just for the show, because I don't think she worked anything else that the whole weekend. No. So you flew her in just for this. So you obviously want to get your money's worth. But at the same time, like, there could have been – you could have figured out something better than that.
0: Uh, it's, it, it's just astonishing that, like,
1: 25 seconds. Now
0: we got the heavyweight title. Johnny Blackcraft, John Morrison defeating David Starr in 11 seconds. And now – Watching this show, the crowd, they're getting tense. They're getting tense. They're getting annoyed.
1: But they're still, like, have this hope. Even if the women's match, they're like, okay. They I feel braw- like the crowd is looking at the time, too, and realizing, like, all oh, right, what's going on here? Like, there's a-
0: <laughs> They brawled outside. It is what it is. Women's ma- the women's match should have went longer, but whatever. They're like... They probably have like mixed feelings right now. They're probably still trying to get Black Ravish a chance. Now they do. They come out here. They got the intros. They're doing Japan in range, yeah. and I understand David Starr had an entrance that had needed the full pop and circumstance. Maybe you just don't do it with that
1: show. Maybe you tell David Starr. Maybe David Starr should have said, "Hey, let's cut this so we can have longer in the match."
0: Yeah, but they did not, and the match went. Eleven seconds, and it was Morrison just kind of basically did like a roll up. That's where the crowd. <laughs> it was over. They they were done. Yeah. What was the chant they were chanting? I I, I totally forgot. What they were I, chi- no. Like it, it was like.
1: I, like. And and when you look at these other shows, there's like, all right, Blackcraft is doing something, they're they're running they're running shows in Pittsburgh, they're running shows outside of Toronto, like they're building their own fan base. And then here you have a show that's in the heart of in Mania Weekend in the heart of where everything is, every wrestling fan is centered on there. So you have all these eyes on you and you do an eleven second main event. Now now Obviously, time constraints, but like manage your time better. God damn it! And, and like I said, and then of course, oh, here's
0: the here's the preacher, and he's talking down on Johnny Blackcraft. And I'm like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> like, why is this happening? And then comes out Matt Justice. And they have, and he says he wants a shot at the Blackcraft title right now. Oh, oh! By the way, David Starr jumped Johnny Blackcraft after the the match too. So there was a beat down, then the preacher, and then Matt Justice when he's told no by the preacher. Preacher says over my dead body. Matt Justice slits the throat of the preacher, Doug Bradley, it and. Now, mind you, there's no barricades. There's no separate entrance. Like, they're doing this like less than a foot away from crowds in just little white folding chairs. They're doing this, and then all this fake blood is splattering over. I'd be pissed. <laughs> so, like, but you, you watched... Who knows if that gets out of your clothes? And these could have been like $40 t shirts they bought this weekend.
1: Yeah. But you, you watch that, and the fans in the crowd, the fans are like on the stage next to Matt Justice and the preacher. None of them are scared. Like they're all, like some of them are laughing. Like it definitely didn't get the point across. This Again, this is the the hokey shit of just are you gonna make people believe that you're actually killing a guy? <laughs> it's, it's, like, but but like, like from what I from what I understand, I don't remember if it was in the documentary. But like they spent the money on all that prosthetic, so they had to they, do it. They're, they had to do it. Yeah. yeah. So you had to get it. But there's obviously, again, other ways they could do that. They wow. don't have to
0: do it in right there. They could have done it like, I mean, it was hard space-wise, but they could have did it outside the ring or even in the ring. Like, you know, even though it still would have been better in doing it on the fans there. And at the point, the fans just break out the laughter. They're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I think the fans realize as much as a waste of money this was, uh, they were probably at the and I wish I could remember the chant because it was something about money. But it was such a waste of money it was. They probably realized at this point, all right, well, we're, we're clearly seeing one of the worst independent <laughs> wrestling shows of all time. So let's just enjoy it. And then Matt Justice comes in, and he defeats an already, you know, basically beaten down uh, Johnny Blackcraft, Uh And that match lasts nine seconds. <laughs> Title change. And Matt Justice is your last champion. And he, so- he, met, he mentioned in documentary... He's got the title in the back, and then Johnny Black Morrison's like, "You want the bag?" He goes, "What are you talking about?" And it was this very, very nice duffel bag, yeah. for the title.
1: So, like, I to save on time, you should just combine those and just did a three way match, and maybe gave them twenty seconds.
0: And you could have did the justice.
1: The justice thing could have been beforehand, earlier after he the weekend, yeah. You could have definitely, definitely made that work in there. It's just, uh... I mean, the preacher could
0: have because they were doing the where Gangrel was sent by the preacher, so they could have did a thing where like, the preacher was like out there managing Gangrel, and then you know, Matt Justice was done with his, and maybe slit his throat on the side apron there, and then Gangrel probably just goes spits out, misses it boom Justice gets him, like there you go, there's a finish. Yeah, you, could, yeah. you, you accomplished your your sl- throat slit. And this, and that. so now Matt Justice says later on, you know, you could have Star and, and Blackcraft in the ring, and Justice comes out and is like, "I killed the preacher. I'm to get taking my
1: title and then go in there." Boom. Yeah, there, there's there's a million different ways they could have did it. Now, one thing I always wondered, uh, they claim they had a four show arc and they hit the arc, but if they had a future plan, like you killed off the preacher, you took the belt off of Johnny Blackcraft. Blackcraft's not cheap. Like Morrison's not a cheap guy. Preacher, uh, who knows what you're paying him, but he probably he's not a twenty dollar guy. No, he's not a twenty dollar indie guy. So, like, w- were you planning on still using like resurrecting the preacher for a future show, continuing to use Morrison, or was it like you were you killing off those characters to save money? Like, that's the big question.
0: I I think, and we'll talk about it after this last match. Of why they didn't come back, but I think they didn't have a plan. But we'll we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about it. Uh, And then we have the uh, they proud uh, is behemoth or behemoth yeah, battle royale. Now, I funny, not funny. Say that word. So now this battle Royal was advertised,
1: so at least got all the matches they advertised. Yes,
0: but it got to the point where like they noticed that oh it's not oh it's not two thirty yet. <laughs> We get squeeze another man. <laughs> like, nobody...
1: We've got six minutes. We, we got all these guys here, so they throw out the battle royal. Like like what well, we talked about last month with uh, with ballpark brawls and going through like what was announced and what actually happened and the amazing stories there. And you look at Blackcraft. At least like Blackcraft announced stuff and it happened. Jimmy Havoc was the only cancellation. Yeah. Oh, and Lenny Luck, but
0: they replaced them.
1: Yeah. So like, I at least give him credit for that, for running somewhat big shows and not really having car changes like some like the ballpark roll Ball did. But still, like, yeah, it's still five minutes. That's way too much for a batter oil. I've seen battle royals go, go 90 seconds or two minutes. Could have been a lot shorter than that.
0: And, and, and well, let's talk about the Battle Royal there. I mean, Zicky Dice with Riley Madison defeated Anthony Green, Eric Cannon, Atticus Kogar, Ben Carr. Some of these names can't be big stars. Casanova Valentine, uh, Conan Lycan, Connor Braxton, Corey Futuristic, Dale Patricks, Dave Dutra, Derek Direction, Gory, uh, John Wayne uh, Murdoch, Justin Credible, Kit Osborne, KTB, Lady Frost, Lord Crew, Mance Warner, Matt White, Pinky Sanchez, Rory Gulak, Royce Isaac, Sledge, Stockade, Swoggle, and Victor Benjamin. And he's actually not listed here. Danhausen was in it too. He was in it. Yeah. He was in it too, but he's not listed at Cage Man. So
1: you and I could have jumped in there too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Cause Danhausen was in there because that's why him and Director
0: Arctrum were still doing the production thing, and he's in there with him. So yeah. <laughs> I mean. That's a lot of great talents, and you—I mean—you could tell Royce Isaacs like he stayed to the end. He's like, I, "Man, I came
1: from Denver. I'm not like, like. But and the fact that Swaco was in there too, like, wow And just incredible. And the, the and it seemed like
0: Larry Legend and Kevin Gill had no idea. Just incredible was supposed to be in it the way they were announcing it. And what is Just Incredible doing
1: here? I mean, I'm all about the random, the random cameos by guys. Like the clusterfuck is always great every year because you're in random, oh, yeah. random people. I'm like I love unannounced talent and indie shows because I think it's it's a good shock, it's a good surprise, a good treat for the fans. So like I'm all for just Incredible randomly being here, Swaggle randomly being in here, Royce Isaacs randomly being in here. Like but you only had five minutes. Yeah. I mean
0: and then, and my, we have to—we'd be remiss to mention that while this is happening, the lights—the venue starts like flickering. The lights, like, why are you having this match? Get out of here! Get... And then they just turn the lights on when Zicky Dice wins. It.
1: It's like a—it <laughs> was so it's like good. you're at a bar. It's like aggressive, was so good. It's like you're at a bar and it's last call, and they got to turn the lights on to tell you to get out. It's like we're a pineapple jacks.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, no apologies. There you have it. Um,
1: and, and, again, we're not the only detractors, obviously. Like, when the documentary came out, Janella and a few others, like, lambasted and on Twitter for the same stuff. Yeah. The similar stuff of, like, of of the documentary and specifically, like, Brandon and others blaming, you know, blaming... Game changer, blaming Janela, blaming others for their shortcomings. Like, I'll give more credit than others. Like, they, they had an idea, they had an image, wrong choice of local promoter, and just a lot of growing pains on there. But, like, every disadvantage, every fault is 100% on them. Nobody else.
0: So here, here was Janela's uh, tweets. I'm dying that Blackraft Cult blamed us for the wrestling show being a failure. They took an hour plus to set up. They insisted on bringing in their own production and IP pay per view streaming, which we told would be an issue. On top of that, they had to set up set up their own set and crucify this sorry fuck. Oh, and set up some chain ropes bullshit. We went zero over. Lmfao. We told them weeks going into that that they had absolute that an absolute time limit in the show looked like an actual clusterfuck and would be a mess if they didn't tighten it. Up and listen to some of our advice. Pinhead was cool, though. And then he just made a like, joke about Elena Black. Since Blackraft wants to blame us, Bl- Elena Black is all, all featured GCW shows because that's all she probably wears. Oh. Which I didn't even use Elena Black. <laughs> 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 it would have been perfect for Blackraft. Yeah. She comes over in a little coffin. Like, come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they, this is it.
1: They never have another show what they 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 removed all their social media for Black Kef wrestling too like yep. none of it exists anymore. you
0: can't find you just find Black or call you can't find blacker wrestling um you bring up the I think they did have an end date with this, and we're going do other shows, but there wasn't no solid plan I they, think they probably was, budgeted yeah. for
1: four shows if you think anything, yeah, there was probably
0: from from.
1: Because I feel gonna, like the
0: destiny thing wasn't going to be a thing until they got a call.
1: Yeah, from if I'm going to guess, I would say that it was going to be Pittsburgh, L. A., Buffalo, Jersey City. Yeah, but because L. A. was canceled, they needed they had money because they budgeted for four shows, and that's where the destiny show came in.
0: Um, uh, so. They never they, they they never run again. Um talent wasn't really told what was going on. It was just they just disappeared and it man, it could have gone so much differently. Um first off, I brought it up. They needed a wrestling guy involved. Uh whether it was a local guy, I believe like Justin Labar is from Pittsburgh, even the guy like that. You know, uh you reach out to a guy like that, or even just all the in, the veteran wrestlers that are in Pittsburgh, somebody yeah. like Somebody to help you out with someone that with understands and logistics
1: stuff. and understands um, how it can keep shows on time.
0: I think they should have Buffalo made sense with the concert. Uh, but they probably should have tried to maybe stay based in Pittsburgh. And if you weren't gonna stay based in Pittsburgh, you should have used local wrestling promotions uh, to, to help you out. Uh
1: I th- I think uh I think like like going with that first show idea where you'd you ran and then fallen in reverse played, I think Partnering with some musical acts would have been good going forward with that. More emphasis on like joint shows, Blackcraft wrestling and, and this band, and then yeah, you played. They play during their mission. They play after the after the main event, something like that. But like that's a good way to build a brand. I feel of continue to do everything you're doing with with the wrestling aspect with the characters, but that's a good crossover way of bringing in music fans into wrestling. And like I said, I, personal preference, I'm not a huge fan of deathmatch. I don't think that's a good thing to show to novice fans. Cause I think it's kind of, it can be kind of embarrassing to someone that's never seen wrestling before, but that's your, that's what you want to do. That's on you. I just feel like, I think they would have been better off doing like the six, six man matches. You have, Matt Cross and Josh Prohibition in there you've have, you have a lot of high flyers showcase that a lot more and use that to bring in music fans that might never have seen wrestling and like this is entertaining I will I might want to come to this when it's just wrestling alone and build off of that
0: here's what they also could have did what if they don't run like a regular indie wrestling company and say hey where what if they run, like, Warp Tour? And, hey, we're going to put on the Black Craft and Wrestling Tour. You know, I'm sure they have come out with a better name. But, why, you know, why don't you have, like, an out, you hit outdoor concert venues in the summertime, like Vans Warp Tour does. You hit, like, the Daring Lakes of the World and the, the amphitheaters. And you have, like, a wrestling show and bands. And cost-effective, you'll make your money because all the bands, the yeah. concerts do ba- like really good money, and and you get all those bands at a discounted rate because they're getting a lot of advanced dates. Wrestlers too. Oh, you're going to tell a wrestler he's going to get, oh hey hey wrestler, you're going to get a paid gig every single night of the week for four weeks. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do
1: that, and like, also like they've they've they hit on it about having. Bands that they have sponsorship deals with. Uh, how come the wrestler, How come every wrestler on the card, every main ro- roster member, didn't have unique theme music done by a legit band? Like yeah. that could have been that could have helped to uh, help with that synergy on there. That like, hey, this this metal band is doing KTB's theme song, or this this band's doing a song from Matt, Matt Justice, and just repurpose it that way. Like, there's a lot of thought that could have went into it about it to, like, build that brand and help solidify them. I, and,
0: yeah, but it's like, you know, and also, too, they clearly knew how music shows ran. That's what they knew. That was their bread and butter. Do concerts with wrestling. That's what you should have did. Um, Also, the type of money they were putting in, like I said, give that money to a legit wrestling promoter and see what they do. The shame is, is that the money that Blackraft put in, we never saw before in a low-level indie wrestling that didn't have a TV deal. Or you know, lower lower than TV deal wrestling, I should say. And we're probably never going to see that again. Nobody's just going to like, hey, I want to give you $100,000 to run independent wrestling. Like, we're never going to see that again. It was such a blown opportunity, and like... To see how what promoters would do with that type of money, good promoters, they would know their market. Yeah, uh, I just like I said, I think they, I they didn't get the right guys in there. They, they just they, nobody. There was no good wrestling minds in that company. I'm sorry, Bill Mulner. I don't know you personally. You're probably a good guy. Didn't seem like you were a brilliant wrestling mind. You could DM me on Twitter. It. I'm sorry. It, it's, I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there, you know.
1: No, I fully agree. You just, I don't think they were, I don't think they were fully prepared to deal with wrestling, and obviously as we've seen by Mania weekend, they weren't prepared to deal with actual wrestling fans and how they will, how they would act, and how they would handle a show like that with their opinions on how, how it went. So and when you're exposed when they were exposed to the actual indie wrestling world that's what happened.
0: It just it just wasn't, you know. It it just wasn't what it was supposed to be. <laughs> it really wasn't what it was supposed to be. Um it could have worked. It had nothing to do with with what what was said by Lombardo. No, no. It didn't matter some wrestling fans are religious. It didn't matter that you're a satanic wrestling company. That had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was you overbooked shows. You unnecessarily booked spe- horror effects, special effects that had no point to be on the show, and you didn't know how to manage and run a wrestling show. Like I said, and like I said, I'm sorry for the comments I made about Bill Molner, but it's just he never had that type of he never had that type of budget. He had never like hey do a, like VOW was never going to be on the collective. He never had that type of thing. You didn't have anybody experience like that so oh (laughs) well with that being said any final comments on black wrestling
1: uh no nothing that uh, we didn't already hit on um like i said it's a shame that they couldn't figure out a way to make it work and at least like partner with bands and do do shows like obviously now with COVID's impossible, but obviously like partner and do like summertime shows and partner with bands and do stuff like there, there still could have been a market for it, obviously, but I think any goodwill they would have had towards wrestling fans just went up in smoke because of, because of the last show. It just,
0: it, it, it's a shame. It it could have, it, it could have been and should have been much better than what it was. Um, and, uh, unfortunately it didn't happen you know it, it it is what it is at this point but as as we digress and move on we did want to bring that to you uh you know would, would it be in halloween and all that and it's such a fascinating story especially that last show such a fascinating show uh but now as we move on here um this episode will drop right before halloween uh so you guys will hopefully be listening to this right before halloween and get you in the mood and then uh uh, our show, it was probably dropping in the last week of November. Um, we've kind of hit it a little bit. So uh, you want to talk about carnie promoters. We're going to we are going to get into the nitty gritty of Dale Gagner and his AWA, also known as Dale Gagne. Oh. <laughs> so it is going to be a very, very interesting episode. If you want to know how sleazy wrestling promoters can be. This is going to be the episode for you. So until then, I'm Chris Gullo. That is Jonathan Ash. Remember, all our social media, uh, RTI Pod, Rediscovering the Indies on Instagram and Facebook. Check us out, follow us, and make sure you listen to us. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're, we're, we're on Apple Music.
1: Follow us on Twitter. We need the clout. Yes, we, we want those Twitter
0: follows. Well, until then, and hey, if you guys want us to cover something, let us know where we're, if it's, as long as if it's independent wrestling, so basically it was not on national television, we'll cover it. So, all right, until then, guys, uh, thank you, and support independent wrestling. tell the people about our new show
1: our new show yes
0: not back issues not hardly awesome no this is chris and anthony just can't stop hey man we just can't stop can't stop won't stop never gonna stop that's right we're back bicbp-radio.com they should go listen to it right now they really should where can they listen to it bicbp-radio.com b-i-c-b-p-dash-radio.com Chris and Anthony just can't stop 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 till they drop that's right that's the kind of freestyles we're going to get from Anthony on Chris and Anthony just can't stop at bicbp radiocom Chris and Anthony just can't stop b-i-c-b-dash-radio.com Chris and Anthony just can't stop Chris I think we should stop with the commercial alright